Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. Hello, everybody. And that was a bit of a delay before that intro. Well, the audio version will only have it from here. Magic. <laughs> How are yeah. you doing? You all right? I'm very well, sir. How are you? You've yeah. had weeks of doing taxes, as I've had a couple of days of doing taxes. Bloody love taxes. But also... This time of year, what a joy. <laughs> a lot of prep coming in for this weekend. I'll do my shilling, because I'm back in the commentary booth this weekend for SEPW. Absolutely, uh, mate. We've got our January event, Light the Fuse. Headlined by SCPW champion Meathead, taking on NXT UK standout Eddie Bryan. Uh, we've also got, the, I think, some of the best tag team wrestlers in all of the world. Will Power <laughs> and Fentos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Power players taking on Justified Mayhem. Triple threat for Huston Hart title. Uh, tickets, scpw.co.uk. We're going to be in Faversham this Sunday. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm most likely going to be there, I think. Amazing. Excellent. Oh, I might, no, this is the weekend I'm doing my family do. I might be there. Okie dokie. I hope I will be. But we were doing our family on Christmas because we just couldn't find a time to nice. do it around Christmas. It is what it is. Anyway, today we are doing WWF's SummerSlam 1992. My first VHS is a child. I was about six or seven years old. I got given this by my good buddy Ed Rintel, who I went to primary school with. Completely out of the blue. It was my birthday, I think, maybe. And uh, I fucking adore this show. <laughs> this is probably the most expensive gift anyone has given you, based on the amount of money you, if you think how much you've spent on wrestling since 1992... What's that, 23 years, 24 years, something like that? Yeah. It's a lot. 27. <laughs> 26? Yeah, 27 years. Wow, fucking hell. Yeah, my math is terrible. But, <laughs> yeah, like, it, it started off my obsession. This is really important to you. Can you grab my VHS right there? It's literally just on the table. So, this, go on, there you go. This is my VHS that I was given many, many years ago. Now, about, ooh, about a year ago... Okay, we redid my bathroom and stuff. This is this has got a point, don't we? <laughs> and my father-in-law had a big van and stuff, bought all the stuff with him and everything. Blah 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 blah. But at the end of the, the end of the fixing up the bathroom, he was like, "Do you want me to take away all your crap?" Basically, because we had loads of stuff left over, like old bits of bathroom and stuff. And wait, wait, let me get there. <laughs> okay. And it's like, oh yeah, you may as well take all these like mountains of VHS I've got because I haven't watched them in like ten years, you know. Blah 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 blah. But I kept all my precious ones. So I have SummerSlam '92. I have Capital Carnage, I have Insurrection, all the shows I went to as a kid, nice. right? And like, my my personal recording of WrestleMania 14, because it was like when I started getting yeah, back nice. into pro wrestling and the Attitude Era and stuff, right? Now, I went to go watch this. Now, do you want to open this up and see what's inside it? Oh my <laughs> god. I don't know if you can see what that picks up on the camera. That is over the edge. That's, that's not the Owen one, is it? Uh, no, it's not. Oh, it might be, actually. I don't know. But <laughs> that's the one. So that is not SummerSlam 1992. SummerSlam 92 VHS went with all my other VHSs that went in the trash no! in the bin like a year ago. I was I was literally almost on the verge of tears <laughs> when I opened that. No! I went, <gasps> there's no SummerSlam VHS <laughs> I mean, for the record, we're never going to cover the contents of what is in this video case, but jeez. Absolutely, oh, yeah. Oh, no, that's but awful. I, I'm, I'm very happy. I've, I've come to terms with this now. It's been two days. I've been struggling not to tell you because I want to tell you on the pod, obviously. But um, I'm very content that I still have the artwork and everything. But if anyone has a VHS of some 992 <laughs> and really wants to sell it to me, I will gladly take it off your hands because I've been looking on eBay and Amazon and stuff. And there's a few floating around in America and such. It was Silver Vision one, oddly, yeah, in America. Yeah. Um, but the only thing you can really buy is a, a SummerSlam 92 and a SummerSlam 93 DVD. Yeah, the double header, the double box. And it's like, be... that's not the same. No. I need the blue strip at the top of the Silver Vision VHS, you know, like the old school yeah. one. I mean, this event, 
was the first time I've genuinely been disappointed as a child. Really? Okay. So, obviously, as we mentioned on the prequel pod, I got into wrestling at Royal Rumble 1991. Okay. Um, and then, obviously, being a ma- uh, at the time a child, he finds out about all these things. I found out that SummerSlam was going to be at Wembley. Again, not really grasping of distances, but I thought, oh, probably near London. Yeah. yeah. I remember saying to my dad... <laughs> can we go it'll be like all my birthdays and christmases together and he turned around to me and went we're not going to that crap (laughs) (laughs) amazing brutal amazing absolutely broken but jesus christ the nostalgia of watching this show oh man the second i started watching it i was just like i know every line of commentary i know every move (laughs) i know every entrance even like the fans at ringside and stuff like i know their reactions when stuff happens seeing the kid in the 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 blue blue lod (laughs) pads it's like you're not even wearing the real lod pads (laughs) absolutely (laughs) that dude's a legend i love that all right let's jump into it okay so the event was live on uk pay-per-view on saturday the 29th of august 1992 it was actually on delayed broadcast in america and the u.s pay-per-view was on monday august the 31st so um yeah i mean there's a big difference between the two broadcasts did you get my message about the dark matches yeah so there's dark match and also promos because i watched yeah there's all sorts of stuff i didn't realize existed just from searching on youtube i guess we both end up watching the network version i ended up without sorry (laughs) sorry to bring this back (laughs) (laughs) indeed i did yeah yeah but i watched obviously the dark matches on youtube they're available so go check them out if you haven't um, I didn't check out the uh, the dark matches. That's I went fine. straight into the straight into the main show. I'll, I'll call them for you briefly. There's some of your favourite wrestlers in these dark matches, which I was like, you should watch this, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> so we're in Wembley Stadium, London, England, and holy shit, this gorgeous old twin tower, oh, Wembley. That old Wembley was so much better than new Wembley. So beautiful. I mean, this was torn down in 2003. It was demolished, and I remember watching it on the news and just being like, oh, Wembley, it's gone. I remember watching the last game when England lost to Germany. So yeah, it's like, it was yeah, great <laughs> tear it down tear it down there's no memories here it feels familiar at least yeah. <laughs> yeah. but um yeah it's beautiful what do you think of old school Wembley and did you ever go to it I went to old school Wembley uh on two occasions to watch England schoolboys uh play when I was younger with the school intriguing okay um, I remember just being in awe of Wembley just sitting in there and also stupidly thinking and saying to my mate at the time going Two people get injured, obviously, they'll probably come and pick us. <laughs> it's like 20,000 people, and they'll just go, that fat kid in the crowd, he looks like he can play football. Mate, Let's go. And and we've him. all had this fantasy, right? Yeah. So I've been to gigs. Fantasy? <laughs> I thought it was going to happen. I was genuinely upset. I'd never been to the old Wembley Stadium, the big Twin Towers one. I did a tour of it right before oh, okay. it got demolished with my dad. We happened to be in Wembley doing the drum centre, and my dad was like, should we just go do the tour at Wembley before it's demolished? We're like, fucking yeah, hey, let's it's... do it. So it was beautiful to see, but I've never seen like an event there or okay. anything. Uh, I had done Wembley Arena a bunch. So like walking up Wembley Way from the yeah. station, if you don't know, the train station is quite a far distance from the actual stadium itself. <clears throat> so you come out the tube and you walk down underneath a bypass, then kind of up a hill, which is called Wembley Way, which is kind of infamous because you see it on FA Cup Day and all this As sort a Tottenham of stuff. fan, I never get to go there for football. <laughs> <laughs> It's unless home it's a home stadium. game now yeah exactly it's not home <laughs> no fucking hey <laughs> too fair as a gooner we've won a whole bunch of matches there so let's just carry on so, <laughs> the attendance for SummerSlam 1992 is 80,000 I repeat 80,355 people it's the fourth largest WWE attendance of all time 
the only non-WrestleMania show in the top 10 of WWE attendance records. Um, during the El Matador Papa Shango match, which you don't see, uh, Vincent Heenan put this over as this show sold out in under 10 hours. 80,000 tickets in 10 hours. And considering that's before internet... Yeah. Really? So that would be it's phone eight. lines and box office queues. Yeah, I worked out that was sort of quite an easy, easy bit of math. It's 8,000 tickets an hour yeah. <laughs> like on the phone, just like, yes, we could do this. It'd be fucking insane. Uh, reports seem to actually suggest that it was more like 60,000 that was sold on the first day. Yeah. But let's not get the truth getting away of a good story, you know? As we always say with WrestleMania attendances, it's bodies in the stadium as opposed to paying customers slash fans in attendance. Yeah, exactly. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't surprise if it's sold out. Yeah. in 10 hours and they just had 20,000 crew and give giveaways sounds likely yeah, yeah. absolutely so uh vincent man welcomes us to the show welcome to wrestle oh hang on <laughs> wrong summer, slam. Slam. <laughs> summer slam brought to you by ica pro yeah! ica pro for everybody that cares about their body <laughs> Love it. Bloody Absolutely love, love it. The classic raw sets in the Manhattan yeah. Center with the Ico Pros up and everything. Ah, oh, brilliant. So we cut to the funniest opening video package that has ever been made. <laughs> okay, so we're outside Wembley Stadium interviewing fans and looking at fans and such. Uh, kind of lots of crowd shots and things. Um, the joys of tape delay. Does this feel like a last minute kind of production? Because those must be fans outside Wembley Stadium for this show. Yeah, no, this must have been shot earlier in the day and edited and then broadcast all within a couple of hours. I don't think this was broadcast on the UK. Oh, you don't think? I think this is a network like for the US audience because ah. they'll be expecting. I think for the UK they went just straight in. It was on my VHS. Definitely. Oh, was it? So I okay. mean, maybe they added it onto the VHS afterwards because obviously that's not the live broadcast. Essentially, really. So, a kid dressed as Macho Man has a better fake beard than my real one. <laughs> uh, cut to two Cockney girls that tell us that tonight, Flair and Perfect will be in the corner of the Ultimate Warrior. Her Cockney friend says, no way, he's going to be on the side of Macho Man Randy Savage. But they're both wearing warrior paint. Like, what's wrong with these people? Like, don't say you're going to be in Macho's corner if you're wearing warrior paint. It doesn't make sense. No, one's a face, one's a heel, one's supporting the good fight. He's not going to be in <laughs> warrior's corner. <laughs> this is blatantly fed to them by, like, the producers or camera ops or whatever. They cause... didn't even go. <laughs> they were just hanging out at Wembley at the yeah, time can we just paint this on your face and can you just say these few bits <laughs> oh fucking great uh, some overly tanned women in power suits god <laughs> love the 90s uh, tell us that they love Shawn Michaels but they don't do it in sync so come on get your lines right girls uh, but I could have done this all without watching it by the way like I know every moment of this opening package you're gonna notice a lot of notes aren't gonna be grabbed off my phone today as well <laughs> <laughs> so a kid in a pink shell suit Oh yeah! Greatest floppiest '90s bowl cut under a boss man cap says the greatest line in any wrestling production ever: "The British Bulldog's gonna win whether he wants to or not." <laughs> He's doing that in an American accent because it was fed to him by an American producer who's standing in front of him. <laughs> Go again, kid. But the idea of like the British Bulldog's gonna win whether he wants to or not. Why would he not want to win? I mean, John Cena came a long way from that promo. <laughs> What? I, I don't get know, it. I know. <laughs> it's just the greatest moment ever. Like I remember watching this and rewinding it and going, did he say what I thought he said? And then watching it again. Did you watch it whether you wanted to or not? <laughs> 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 Fucking love it. So we see some bobbies on patrol, uh, kids with Union Jack painted faces. One says British, one says Bulldog. 
Gotta love it. Uh, and Wembley Way, obviously, it looks absolutely beautiful. If the kid who didn't have Bulldog on his face walks down the road now, you know, he's probably going to be a part of a cult that we don't want to talk about. <laughs> Indeed. <yeah>. Britain! <laughs> we love Britain, we do. So we cut into Wembley Stadium. To ba, 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 ba. Trumpeters of the royal family have obviously turned up for this show. Alfred Hayes' family were just there, <laughs> kicking about. That's what we do. They're all trumpeters. Of course. <laughs> he's, Some of them meant to be posh butlers and stuff He's as the well. first one who managed to break away from the trumpeteer butlering side of his family history. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got our chat up, by the way? Uh, no. <clears throat> Log on to our YouTube and see if you can be in the chat because I can see someone's talking to us. Hello, whoever's talking to us. My, my computer's over there, <laughs> so I can't really read the chat from here. But uh, we're aware of it and we will maintain it and monitor it a little bit. I said to you yesterday <clears throat> um, I would bring my Mac and uh, I forgot. Nah, it doesn't matter, mate. So I will just use the power of technology. To, yeah, hey. to the YouTube. Your new iPhone. Mm. You could tell how well this podcast is doing as I know on an iPhone X. <laughs> Wait, we ain't money from this. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> don't don't let your business partners know. <clears throat> yeah, indeed. Okay, here we go. Okay, so let's get into the live stream. Oh, buffering. Nice. And into Is it working? Well, um we're we're uh if I press play we might. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Quality, quality audio right now. All, all I'm getting is it's not playing. <laughs> but someone's clearly there. Don't worry. I'll check the chat before we end this stream. Don't worry. So you can tell which one of us is the technology <laughs> and which one of us is the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut into Wembley Stadium. We get the trumpeters and we get a generic holiday advert shots of London. So like, you know, Big Ben, Big Ben, Houses of Parliament, things like that. Basically the same stock ones I used for Raw every time they Th- come over. This feels like stock footage yeah. that they're still using today, as you said. Um, but holy shit, we cut to the crowd and this place is packed and it is loud. They are hot for this, aren't they? Absolutely, mate. First British pay-per-view ever. Yes, I believe so. They had a few shows. They had like Royal Albert Hall, and I'm sure they've done some tours of Europe yeah, and stuff. But this but... is the first name show, pay-per-view event. Yeah, yeah. And is the reason why they've never been back. Because <laughs> they lost a fudge load of money. Did they? So much money. I mean, the amount of blue foam fingers that are in the crowd, you would have thought they'd made enough money off that just to... Like, Wrestling promoters need to bring foam fingers back. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, dude, there's so many. It's just like, that's the overwhelming thing I remember as a kid. That's the only it's merch they had. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. You would have thought they'd be on the merch. Yeah, but that was back in the day when you could buy an Undertaker t-shirt in Tesco's. Could you? Yeah. Oh, nice. When, 92? Yeah. Bloody hell, okay. I don't remember this. <laughs> we cut to Vincent Mann and Bobby Heenan welcoming us to the show, kind of at ringside, but with the crowd behind them, because obviously Vince is like, we're going to highlight this fucking crowd. We've got like 80,000 people. <laughs> Clever. So King Bobby puts King on a crown. Yep. Pretty funny. Uh, Vince and Bobby are just hilarious. Their reactions, the facials. Just everything Perfect. they do, they're just amazing. Will you take show. that off? Exactly. <laughs> it's like Vince, the angry kind of grandpa almost, to like the silly, um, like mischievous child of Bobby Heenan. I mean, I, it goes without saying, easily the best person to wear a crown on commentary ever. <laughs> Controversial. Uh, Vince, Factually accurate. I agree. I totally agree. Um, Vincent Heenan put over the the flair perfect macho warrior storyline. So, I mean, do you want to go over this? Yeah. So basically, there's been. At Mania, we had Flair dropping the belt to Macho Man Randy Savage. Mm -hmm. And then there's been all the discussion of Mr. Perfect getting involved in Warrior and Savage's business. And then Perfect said that he's going to be in the corner of one of Savage or Warrior. And that's the big question leading up to this big top... Well, it's one of only four pay-per-views at the time. Which corner is Mr. Perfect going to be in, Savage or Warrior? 
I think it's kind of cool they're putting over Perfect a lot here as well. Because yeah. I think Flair's maybe on his way out soon. Flair is injured. Ah, is that why? Okay. Uh, apparently Flair has an ear issue. An ear issue? Through my research. Um, but also, interestingly, as we mentioned this as the main event, on the uh, Silver Vision video, this is what's listed as the main event. Oh, what? Oh, it is, yeah. Uh, Savage versus Warrior. So I wonder, for the US pay-per-view broadcast even though you could tell the difference between the sky i wonder if they had brett versus bulldog pre-made event and they had savage versus warrior as the main well this show was originally meant to be in america yep um but they weren't doing so great on the wrestling side of things and like tv subscriptions and attendances like 92 was a bit of a dip for the wf so um the potential came up to do this in britain in london england and originally, it was meant to be, um, I think, the WF Championship was the main event, and it was meant to be Brett and Sean for the IC belt. Yes. But then, moving it to England, it's like, um, we've got an English dude who's quite good. <laughs> we should put him in there. Oh, no, Dynamite's left. We'll just put Davey Boy instead. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, obviously, it became Brett Davey. And I think once you realise that you've got that match, it's it's ridiculous not to put it as main I mean, it event, sold right? itself. I think like yeah, putting yeah. Bulldog on there. And at the time, it was huge in the UK. So again, it was having its dip. Yeah, but true. all the Hasbro figures were what people were playing with at school. And yeah, 80,000 for something that was on, I think, just like cable or just basic free-to-view Sky at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. WWE Superstars, which is now on the network. Nice. Uh, 1992 Superstars. That's I was all like, right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were Mr. Perfect, whose corner would you be in? Ric Flair's. <laughs> if you had to pick Macho... Or Savage. So who would you turn heel is basically what I'm asking. I mean, the uh, the natural heel would be Savage. Savage, you think it is? Because Warrior is a, a heel. So the story goes that Vince wanted to turn Warrior heel. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Which I was always just a bit like, hmm, I don't think that would have worked. Yeah, he's got a leader match. I just don't <laughs> think he likes Warrior, and I think he loves Savage. Yeah. Because we know now both, both fucking amazing Randy Savages. He drags this match out of Warrior later this evening. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. Quick first factoid before yep. we go into go the on. card. I believe this is the first WWE pay-per-view without Hulk Hogan. It is. It yeah. absolutely is. Certainly in the main event, especially. Which is why I think they struggled to sell tickets in the US. Yeah, it could be. Because uh, he was on his way out at this point, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. I'm just checking the audio levels. Yeah, they're good. Okay, okay, cool, cool. So Vince drops the tagline. It's the SummerSlam you thought you'd never see. And we jump into our first match of the evening, which is actually a dark six-man tag team match of Jim Duggan and the Bushwhackers, Butch and Luke, versus the Nasty Boys, Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags, and the Mountie with Jimmy Hart. You didn't watch this, did you? No. All right, I'll quickly run through it. It's the Nasties out first. They're cutting a promo on the way to the ring. Their gear and gimmick is fucking amazing. Like the black with the splattered paint on it and stuff. Like, I fucking love the Nasties gimmick. Um, they literally have the worst mullets ever. Mountie comes out to, I'm the Mountie. Excellent entrance I'm handsome, song. I'm brave, I'm strong. He made PCO the man he is today. <laughs> <laughs> fucking A. Uh, Bushwhackers out. Um... I, I was thinking, watching the Bushwhackers, you see 80,000 people doing this thing. Over as hell. You're like, why has no one ever stolen this idea? Because it's, <laughs> it's doing the Bushwhackers gimmick. Doing that and licking armpits. Licking kids. It didn't age very well, did it? No. <laughs> Good thing Lawler wasn't there. Oh, fucking A, man. Um, the most amazing part of this match is that Hacksaw comes to the ring. gets a huge pop, right? And once he's in the ring, he goes, USA! And 80,000 people all go, USA! USA in London, England, and you're like, 
Wow, he's pretty fucking over. <laughs> uh, Duggan is surprising when you look back in the early 90s how key he was in WWE and how big yeah. a feuds he had. And I, I can see why he wasn't utilized like a top, top guy. But watching this reaction, he was primed at this point. 92, Duggan. Yeah, huge. He's He was one below Hogan in the uh, Americana sort of thing, wasn't he? Yeah, he hasn't quite got the body of Lex because obviously 93 is when Lex gets the, um, the Lex Express push yeah. and everything. Because obviously Hogan's disappears, we're trying to fill gaps. But I feel like they missed an opportunity with Duggan. He's really over, really, yeah, he really worked. He could have tailed it. And especially for the follow-on from the Slaughter feuds. Yeah, totally. He's, like, he's the American hero. Yep. He's got a bit of wood. And, and Hogan, um, Duggan does okay for himself. Like, yeah. He forms a really decent career. He comes back in like the 2000s as well. Gets another run even at that point. Because he finished impressive. his WCW run, didn't he? Then came back. Because yeah, he got yeah. injured in WCW, returned, wrestled. Yeah, terrible run WCW. Yeah. The, the janitor gimmick and stuff. Oh, yeah. like, fucking hell, that was bad. Anyway, so basically, um, Hacksaw has the mountie pinned at the end of the match. Sags dives off the top rope. Yes, the top rope. <laughs> Never seen a nasty boy do a dive off the top rope. Uh, Duggan moves. Sags lands on the mountie. Classic. Duggan throws out Sags over the top rope, pins the mountie for the one, two, three, and your winners are Jim Duggan and the Bushwhackers. Just an insanely fun match. Great opener. Gets the crowd going. You know, really, really good. Really, really fun. So our next match, I'm not going to even ask your opinion on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Is our second dark match, uh, El Matador. Hey, do you know who El Matador Tito is? Tito Santana. Hey, against Papa Shango. Which I was like, you love Papa Shango. You've got a tattoo. <laughs> I do have a tattoo of Papa Shango. <laughs> All right. So uh, this was meant to be Shango versus the Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich. But cocaine is a hell of a drug. So, and probably based <laughs> on WrestleMania, Papa Shango missed his cue, so Texas Tornado went home. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Uh, this is it's, it's a sad story. Kerry Von Erich within a year is pretty much dead. Yeah, it's just missing dates and stuff. Misses this spot completely. It was meant to be there. Tito Field is in the last minute. You know, it's like it's not good stuff. I mean, in fairness, though, Tito Santana going out there to take the day. It's a case of we you fly out here, mate, because you know Kerry's a bit ropey. We'll fly you halfway across the world, though. You might not get used. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Fame that which we'll injured one of the bushwhackers. Yeah, <laughs> there's a great bit where um, El Matador comes to the ring holding his like Matador hat in his hand, and Bobby Heenan goes, "What's that in his hand? Is that a dead chihuahua?" <laughs> it's just a <laughs> fucking great moment. And uh, Vince goes, "Then what is it with you and fur?" And Heenan goes, "I didn't infer anything." <laughs> like it's fucking so out. How quick are you, mate? I love Heenan. Amazing, amazing stuff. Um, right, let's just jump to the finish, I guess. Um, El Matador with the 10 punches in the corner. Heenan goes, he's hit the flying jalapeno. <laughs> he does it. Only gets to gut wrench into a shoulder breaker, but it's not Tito's shoulder that lands on Shango's knee. It's more of like his neck and his spine. So like he picks him up into this and drops him into the shoulder breaker, but like head first onto his knee. He's a safe oh, worker, is Charles, right? Brutal. <laughs> like could have fucking crippled the dude. Like terrible. I mean, when he turned to the Godfather and the good father, he didn't get much better. Always quite dangerous in the ring, old, uh, got, old Charles. He stopped doing dangerous, crazy power moves, which is probably a good thing. But yep. still not exactly the safest worker in the world. One of Undertaker's boys, though. So, you know, he's always going to have a job, isn't he? Indeed, yeah. So for the one, two, three, and Papa Shango gets a win over El Matador. Arriba! And that's the right victory. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So let's get into the main card Yay! now. The actual broadcast you've got to see. So the sun is starting to set. And it's starting to look really kind of atmospheric in Wembley Stadium. So good. I liked how the crowd was set out in the Union Jack, how they'd set the seating as well from above. I never noticed. Ah, see, when you look at it from an angle, they basically got it in the the divots of the flag. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. I've never noticed this. Holy shit. 
So first up is our tag team match of Money Incorporated of Owen R. Scheister and Ted DiBiase with Jimmy Hart versus the Legion of Fucking Doom, Animal and Hawk with Paul Ellering <clears throat> and Rocco. <laughs> Good old Rocco. <laughs> Beautiful bikes they rode out to the ring on the LOD. Mate, it's mm. classy, isn't it? When really, I watched really this, cool. my dad, the first thing he was like, he was like, Oh, motorbikes. Oh, motorbikes. <laughs> Your dad was a bike, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. So, money, 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 money. Fuck, I love this music and <laughs> this gimmick. It's so over. It was good to see IRS again. And also, you know, forgetting how bad it went when he went to WCW. It was Michael Wall Street. Don't even remember that. Good stuff. <laughs> so, what do you think of uh, DBS's white and gold trimmed suit? Like, fucking hell, we went all out for this one. All in, yeah. As long as it wasn't after Labor Day, it should have been fine. <laughs> Don't wear white after Labor Day. I know people say that. What is Labor Day? Do you know? No idea. Americans. Hello. How are you? I'm only so- <laughs> quoting it from um, Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> oh, fair enough. <laughs> so Jimmy Hart has a beautiful Money Inc. custom suit as well. Looks fucking gorgeous. Like this sprayed on suit thing. No no little sort of nook or cranny missing from Jimmy Hart's manager organic. Again, we're out with the nasties. I assume he was wearing some kind of nasty boy-esque jacket uh, as well. He actually wasn't. He was wearing the Money Inc. one oh, still. Oh, was he? Oh, <laughs> rubbish. I, I actually went back and checked because I, I saw this come out of the Money Inc. I was like, was he wearing a Money Inc. one for the nasties match? And he fucking was. Because uh, normally he has, over that time, he just basically changed for every team or person he managed. Yeah, yeah. Sp- yeah. But it's, it's, a, it's a dark match. So, I mean, yeah. he probably doesn't think it's going to be broadcast anywhere. So, it's what it is. IRS cuts a little promo in the ring. It's a well-known fact. If you British tax cheats would pay your fair share, you wouldn't put the burden on the royal family. Uh, Is this you in disguise? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, as a big royalist that I am. I was thinking more about the tax rather than the royalist bit, but Tax Williams bloody loves it. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no denying that Owen R. Scheister played a big grounding in the Tax Williams character. Oh, really? Yeah, him, nice, and, nice. him and obviously uh, Doug Williams in the name. Yeah, yeah, fucking A, man. Yeah, yeah. Resting in a tie. Who doesn't love that? I've never realised that the Williams part was a thing to Doug. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Oh, that's lovely. So, Road Warriors pop from the Road Warriors. Obviously, it's fucking massive. The second you hear this, oh, the water rush. Bit. I had to turn my TV down. Like, That's a bit loud. <laughs> Grief. 80,000 people doing a warrior, Road Warriors pop. Yeah. It's just really, really cool. Or really, really fun. Um, again, as you said, the gold shoulder pads with the black spikes. Oh, gorgeous. And obviously, um, they come down on the bikes, blah, blah, blah. It looks amazing on the Harleys. One of the greatest entrances ever, I think. Yeah. This is one of those clips that... WWE have uploaded to their YouTube channel. It's just the uh, the Legion of Doom's entrance at SummerSlam 1992, and that's it. Pretty Huge cool. numbers. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, good on them having a face manager, Paul Ellering. How is he a face? He's well. Oh, I see what you're saying. In this yeah. scenario, he is a face. Traditionally, Ellering's oh no, he's, a heel. Ellering's a badass heel. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was like, hang on, what? But that's um, why they gave him a puppet to soften him up. God, this fucking Rocco uh, puppet. <laughs> just, just talk to me about the Rocco because. It basically just looked like Ellering needed something. I genuinely think it's because Ellering needed something to do to try and stop him being the heel manager character. <laughs> so I thought, stick your hand up this puppet's ass, And they replaced his rolled up newspaper with a fucking hand puppet. And you're like, yeah. well played, Paul Ellering. And that's so. before Creative was outside of Vince's pool in his house. So someone would have gone, either him or Bruce Pritchard would have gone, let's get Paul Ellering a puppet. 
it's fucking stupid. I know the LOD never wanted this. Paul Ellering never wanted this. It was definitely enforced upon them. Yeah. But like, it adds a cheesy, kiddie gimmickiness to it that they probably needed to be in WF. And did they leave shortly after the show? Uh, yeah, it wasn't. They definitely flip flopped a lot. Yeah. The LOD. So I mean, um, we'll, we'll get to it in a second. Let's get to the end of the match. So Hawk um, notoriously looks absolutely fucked. The moment he gets off that bike, apparently he'd already popped a couple of somers down. Definitely jet lagged. <laughs> yeah, fuck that shit. So, um, I mean, we'll get to it in a second. So let's just run through the match. So massive LOD chance. The second the match starts, Animal goes through it goes, LOD! And 80,000 people go, LOD! LOD! And it's like, I remember this being the coolest fucking thing as a kid. Based on this and the hacksaw thing, very impressionable crowd. Yeah, absolutely. We'll well, say, they'll say anything. It's like Ron Burgundy. They've <laughs> never experienced it before. Yeah, the thing. true. Like, it's this whole crowd going, finally, we've got like a massive WWF show. I mean, in fairness, that's true now. Because when WWE came over occasionally, they did like a Monday Night Raw once every two or three years. Yeah. The crowds were hot for it. Yeah. And now they get two a year plus a run of house shows. No one gives a damn anymore. Uh, I still think they're the best crowds in the world. You know, I'd say London, Chicago, New York are all kind of even um, in terms of like passionate crowds. But it's not got the heat it does for this. No. At all. It's no also, a, I think it's, this is a younger audience I'm used to seeing as well. Very fam- very like family day out. Yeah. Lots of young kids in the crowd. So, um, let's call a couple of spots from this match. So, IRS bumps out the corner, goes to crawl backwards out the ring, and Animal stomps on his tie to stop him leaving. <laughs> the Eden comment here is so good. Do you want to say it or do you want me to do it? Go ahead, go ahead. Go on. To the top of the page. Oh, that's it. He's standing on his tongue. <laughs> <laughs> the cartoon visual of like oh, this long tongue as he's standing so on it. Good. Like it's Wiley e. Coyote levels of amazing. Absolutely loved it. And at that stage, I was like, "Oh, Bobby Heenan, you are hilarious." I, I can't express how good Vincent Heenan are during this show. Like, I just I haven't got the words to do it. I've written down a whole bunch of quotes. I've tried. I could have written down 50. the whole match, pretty much. Exactly. Every match is hilarious. Their chemistry is amazing. Like. I would have loved to have kept this for a lot longer than we actually got to yeah. see it. You know, these two together are so fucking good. Um, so the story of the match is LOD strength and power versus Money Inc. sneaky scientific kind of cheating style. Yeah. Um, IRS does this late duck down on a Hawks uh, top rope clothesline, which I think is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. He really nicely done. Right at the last second. So Hawk jumps off the top rope and he waits and waits and waits until he's literally there and he's like, whoop, just ducks down beneath him. Fucking brilliant. Really absolute dream. Why don't people do this more? People always do it too early. Well, that's the thing. It's running the risk of cocking it up and you. <laughs> oh, but it looks so good though, man. I'd love to see more people doing this. But the thing is though, would people consider this move now if you do it? Will they go, oh, that's really good? Or will they just go, oh, he ducks it? Yeah, maybe. But I think it's done such... I Watching this back now, I was just so impressed. But this has stood the... It stood up in today's market, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Especially these two tags specifically. They're they're not at the, the prime of their careers. They're both a little bit beyond it almost, you know? Like, maybe that's a bit brutal. But they're still working their styles and they're playing to their strengths, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Like, I love this match. Don't get me wrong. So it's just like the best tag antics story told in the ring. Like, you see the revival still doing this sort of storytelling, yeah. but this is something that's died a lot in WWF, WWE specifically. My favourite thing in the tags at this time is basically when they would just interchange tags, but when the other when the referee's back's turn, and for some reason the other guy went back to the outside and would do this. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, just to get the noise. Yeah. And at this stage, like this is where Heenan was like, "Oh, if you're close enough, you don't have to tag." And I was like, "Oh, Bobby, that's Such so a good." Great line so again. Good. So Money Inc. work over Hawk for the vast majority of the match, as you might expect from an LOD match where Hawk's selling. Um, like abusing drugs is obviously bad, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the way Hawk is selling in this match is very believable. Well, I also wonder if it's a case of you've turned up here, you're off your face, I'm going to stretch you a bit. Yeah, definitely. I think Money Inc. know that they have to do a lot of the work here. Yeah. Ted DiBiase specifically is working his socks off in this match. Like doing all the big sells and jumping over to the top rope to sell to animals so then Hawk can hit him from behind and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, really, Definitely really cool. the workhorse of this match, isn't he? Absolutely. I mean, all four dudes are really talented, but uh, Teddy Biossi is so underrated. Again, another guy that I feel could have been pushed to that main event slot and never got the opportunity. But I don't think he ever needed the belt. No, definitely. Ted. But he just he could have. Yeah. If they wanted him to, you know. But I guess he's not big enough as well. If he'd done a lot more juice, maybe he would have been <laughs> yeah. there, you know. Who knows? So uh, most of the Road Warriors, have, and this is the most the Road Warriors have ever sold in any match ever. And it makes for a really evocative sort of match, you know, that like you genuinely feel for Hawk at times. Yeah. And not just because he's off his face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we get the hottest of tags to Animal as uh, Hawk finally kind of literally as he's falling back out the rings, works around and gives him the tag. Really cool moment. Uh, LOD signal for the Doomsday device. Jimmy Hart and IRS stop the Doomsday from happening by jumping up and interfering. Uh, Hawk wanders about as Animal whips DBRC into the ropes, knocking IRS to the floor. Power slam by Animal, and Hawk wanders in front of the hard cam for the one, two, three, <laughs> and the winner is the Legion of Doom. You gotta love them. I yeah, as you said before, these tag teams just together, absolutely loved seeing them. This is what tag team wrestling, even in modern time, would work. People get annoyed by the the shenanigans of the heels. Everyone can do the hot tag now. You see that that standard tag, you know, heel team work down one person, hot tag for the the face. Normally yeah. the one who is either not as fit or the more popular of the two. Yep, definitely to make the to get the hot tag. But yeah, I nothing wrong with this match at all. Really, really enjoyed it, start to finish. Unfortunately, the last Legion of Doom match for three years. Animal has talked about Hawk being heavily into drugs and sedatives at this time, and he popped a couple of sedatives right before the match. Hence, why you get all this ridiculously horrible stuff that we see from hawk um hawk skipped out on the flight back to the u.s and hung around in london with the hell's angels basically just doing coke and being a fuck yeah um let's not talk ill of the dead i guess uh, animal told hawk uh was no animal sorry animal was told that hawk was no longer going to be part of the company a few weeks later at house show um didn't even hear it from hawk himself completely lost track Jesus. yeah it would be 1996 in wcw before they tag again Bloody hell. Horrific, man. This what drugs a, can do, you know? A, again, a problem, I guess, if you're in a tech team, that if you're a hot tech team and one of, and your partner is ropey, your career is in their hands. I mean, even now in modern time, you've got the authors of pain. One of them's out injured for three, four months. Oh, is that why they're not on telly? So okay. what's the other guy going to do? He can't be a singles wrestler. Yeah. So he's just got to sit about, maybe do the house show. He probably loop. could, but it would ruin the tag. Yeah. You know? But that that's it. And then they've, they've killed a project that comes back. So seeing how much... As they've said, Hawk sort of jeopardised some of Animal's career. Yeah, I mean, at least Animal really got some did. singles runs, like when he was a bit more retired. Like I don't know if he's on a Legends deal or an Ambassador deal, and he's still kicking yeah. around WWE a bit. But yeah, absolutely, it is a real shame. He that... turned up at the um, the uh, not all elite, but the elite show, Cody Rhodes show. Oh, really? Yeah, he turned up right at the entrance on one of the, on a oh, bike and stuff, and nice. that was a cool little moment actually. But yeah. 
Uh, again, uh, the LOD was so, so hot at this time, and to waste it in that yeah. way, such a shame. Outside the Beverly's second favourite tech team of all time? Or Legion of Doom? Yeah. I love the Beverly's, right? I adore the Beverly's. LOD are my favourite tag team of oh, all really? time. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Always have been, always will be. I mean, this is the first time I ever saw them, and I'm like, this is fucking amazing. The story they're telling, how over they were, the bikes, the gold shoulder pads, the power slams. Like, If you've seen it for the first time, you can understand why people are all into that. Yeah, this is my first impression, right? Yeah. So this match was meant to be for the tag team straps, because Money Inc. were the champions, I think, coming in. Yes. But they dropped them to natural disasters who would defend them against the greatest tag team of all time later. <laughs> and this is what led to Jimmy Hart leaving to manage Money Inc. as well. Yeah. Because he was managing natural disasters at the time. That's the one. Turning them face because obviously Jimmy's a heel. So blah, that blah, blah. well-known blah. face. Earthquake. <laughs> God damn you, Golga. It's not, bl- it's not blow our load quite yet. Yeah. We'll get to that match. Okay, so Ric Flair's backstage and he's interviewing, uh, doing an interview with Mean Gene. By God, Mean Gene! <laughs> rest in peace, buddy. <laughs> so uh, rest assured sure little man <laughs> just so many quotes in this from flair um knows that he stays ready for any kind of action uh, just fucking great moments from flair purple gear today as well oh, very nice so good as i remember flair obviously because this is my first showing blah 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 uh gene questions flair about which corner mr perfect will be in tonight will it be the macho man or randy savage rick laughs off mean gene's questioning uh mean gene says the one of the greatest quotes again i've got so many i'm sorry i'm gonna overdo it i think today uh like the great winston churchill once said now is the time and now is the time we demand to know the whereabouts of mr perfect for SummerSlam." and flair responds flair responds with why he's in the dressing room but whose dressing room the dressing room of the winner. Who else? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love this show so much. Flair's just genius. It's, it's a shame he's not wrestling on this. Obviously, if he's injured and stuff, his promo work, fuck me. Flair's good at this time. Even as a young fan watching this for the first time, what can you remember what your first impression of Ric Flair was? Detested him. Absolutely hated him. Top to bottom. Couldn't stand the man. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. Exactly what he needed to do manipulative horrible mean to people i loved <laughs> like just everything a heel should be yeah out uh, absolutely phenomenal i said the first you? time i saw flair was when he came in with the video distorted belt yeah um, and that's when he started his feud with piper because it's when piper savage and vince mcmahon were on commentary mm-hmm. and there was all sorts of that's a weird time it's <laughs> all sort of a kerfuffle going on and flair was like baiting piper and at the commentary desk, he walks. He turned to walk away from Piper, and then just turned around and smacked him with a chair. You meanie! And, and at the time, I was like, he hit him with a chair. I've never seen this before. Oh, yeah. I can't believe it! But also, being the little dickhead I was, I was like, that's really cool. Yeah, exactly. You can't really help but cool. kind of love him a little bit. I always loved Perfect. Never liked Flair as a kid. Oh, really? I was like, always oh, a mean old man. You know. No, I, I was a dickhead, smart Mark Lee when I was younger because I was like, oh, I like the baddies. Love it, mate. Oh, I like a lot a of the baddies. Just never liked Flair. Yeah. Never got, I think it's also my friends didn't like him. Ah, uh, okay. And so there's a lot of just like group mentality. I think at that age, how old was I? Seven when I watched uh, this. See, this is where I was going wrong. You had friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> so Sean Mooney is backstage and interviews Virgil. Fucking hell, this is bad. So Virgil is after revenge for his friend, the big boss man, in his next match. Uh, I mean, 
it's just bad. Everything's bad about it. He can't project. He says way too many catchphrases. None of them are catching on. Like, it's just all dog shit. Good old Virgil. Oh, should have put that on time. Sorry. <laughs> Good old Virgil. Um, and as I always say, my favourite story of Virgil is when he always claims to be the fourth member of the NWO. <laughs> Yeah, of course. So he ends the promo by saying another catchphrase, which isn't even his catchphrase. He's too legit to quit. Doesn't even do the too legit, too legit to quit. He probably <laughs> forgot because he's like, I've heard this. It's cool. Um, he forgot it was an MC Hammer song. I was just like, fuck it. I'll just say it at the end of my promo. It'll be my thing now. Like, I'm too legit to quit. <laughs> <laughs> so next up is the first singles match of the night. Uh, yeah, am I right? Yeah, that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. First singles match of the night, Nails versus Virgil. I uh, know you've spoiled this if for anyone who follows you on the, the Twitter sphere. You should follow us on Twitter, by the way. World of Rest Podcast. Very nice transition. Indeed. So basically, your notes, which I will sum up now, was choke, 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 struggle, choke, choke. The referee isn't <laughs> enforcing the rules. Choke, 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 boot, pin. Pretty much, man. So Nails wears 302 pounds, apparently. Blatantly fucking doesn't. Uh, Nails chokes Virgil. Nails chokes Virgil. Nails does a sloppy eye rake and misses a punch. Nails chokes Virgil. Uh, ref throws out the match and awards Nails the victory. Does he know the fucking rules? Because this is not how <laughs> wrestling's meant to go. I thought commentary did a good job of putting over that now should have been disqualified but the ref awarded him the win yeah i don't know if this is a mixing communication or what happened here but now the story is an illegal move just so you know the story leading up to this was one again from a younger younger days was a more compelling storyline because we just come mm. off boss man mounty the so storyline going after this is even better well, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boss line but boss line boss man boss, and man, yeah. boss man and mounty with the jailhouse match oh okay before that never seen it and then because he'd come off again like a law enforcement versus law enforcement then obviously who's it going to go after next a convict ah, okay. and, then, and then nails obviously has come out attacking the boss man because he was treated badly by boss man when he was in the clink that's the one in the WF magazine the yeah. photo shoot with all the bruises and the cuts on boss man from where nails attacked him yep and they filmed some Classic. of those according to pritchard on um something to wrestle really? podcast they filmed it in a real prison wow yeah. that's pretty cool i didn't know that at all like, i remember seeing the magazine and being terrified like it actually he's damaged him properly and like that being one of the first storylines they really got over in the WF magazine as well yeah they um they originally went to when they were trying to get boss man over when he was a heel fighting hogan in the 80s yeah they went to the prison and basically had people film how bad boss man treated them right. they went back to the same prison when they were trying to turn boss man face be like oh no he's a really good guy he does this he does that and then they went back to the same prison to film the, the bashing that nails outstanding <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Post-match. <laughs> a few weeks, months down the line, rumor and innuendo, who knows. Uh, Vincent Mann gets uh, confronted by Nails about their pay over SummerSlam. Nails apparently decks Vincent Mann either by pushing him or punching him. The, the accounts vary. Uh, all that I know is that um, Bret Hart was interviewed talking about hearing a big crash and then going into Vince's dressing room uh, and Vince being on the floor pretty much, right? And so Nails then claims the reason he did this to Vince McMahon was not over pay, but because Vince made a sexual pass at him. And the lawsuit <laughs> so- ensues. And you're just like, what? What? <laughs> what is happening? This I mean, is Venice, so weird. Vince McMahon loves a big boy. Mm, he's 302 pounds. Loves big sweaty men, yeah. <laughs> I mean... <sighs> What do you think of the match, firstly, I guess, is the best thing we need to say. Dog shit. It's terrible, isn't it? Like, no, minus no, five stars. 100%. No, no. <laughs> Minus five stars wearing a Tokyo banner. 
good grief, it's shit. It's it's bad, isn't it? No, not even funny bad. No, sometimes we like funny wrestling to make fun of it, but this yeah. is just. It looks like two wrestlers were told to go out there with no training, go do a match, and that's what would happen. Yeah, totally. except with less orange jumpsuits. I mean, Virgil gets a couple of little hope spots in there, and Nails seems very intimidating. I think that's the most positives you could possibly say about this match. I think looking you've taken it very far the yeah. wrong way. But I think yeah. I've seen this too many times as well, and I'm like, oh, he generally was quite scary as a kid, Nails. Yeah, but if someone constantly chokes the other person, then yeah, it's going to be quite scary, you know. And that was his entire moveset. Well, there we go. <laughs> That's half the problem. He's <laughs> not quite Bulldog Brett levels of intensity and storytelling, you know? <laughs> anyway, so uh, Lord Alfred Hayes is backstage and he's been investigating the whereabouts of Mr. Perfect. Alfred is backstage at Macho Man's dressing room door. In, uh, basically, he can't get in. Macho won't answer the door. He doesn't know where Perfect is, blah, 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 blah. In the meantime, it's over to you, Mean Gene. Anything on this segment? Oh. Pointless. Yeah, I mean, it's getting over the story, but it's nothing... Yeah, that no one knows, but no one's going to know till the match anyway. Yeah, I remember watching this as a kid and being like, can we just get to the next bit, please? You know? Yeah, Alfred Hayes is only there because he's Alfred Hayes. Yeah. So we cut to Mean Gene interviewing Sensational Sherry backstage in front of the big SummerSlam logo now. Big blue and orange Beautiful beast logo. of a thing. It's Beautiful amazing. <laughs> Sherry's outfit has more cutouts than any one piece of clothing should ever have. <laughs> like She's got six cutouts down her arm. Big cut out around her crotch, big cut out around her ass. Like. It basically makes the girls in the Divas era looking like they're quite well dressed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's 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 a monstrosity. Like it's it's horrific. It's white, pleathery, diamond bedazzled, amazingness. Like it's great, but it's perfect for what she needed it to be. Yeah, I don't remember feeling very sexual about this as a seven-year-old. You know, like you see Sunny and you're like, God damn. Wait, you know the way you're I mean? saying it now makes it sound like you are feeling overly oh, sexual I'm totally about it. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. So there's a backstage compilation of the story between Shawn Michaels and Rick the Model Martel and how, like, you know, Rick came out during a Shawn Michaels match and winked at Sherry, and Sherry's winked back at him, and then Sherry came out in one of Rick's matches in a beautiful sequin dress, and blah, 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 blah. It's quite a fun little story, yeah. I guess. Nice setup for heel versus heel. Yep, yeah, totally. This is the problem with this match, and that you've got heel Martel against heel Sean. It's uh, plainly because Sean isn't against Brett in the, ma- in the Intercontinental match um, that was planned originally. They have to throw something together, and this is the best they could come up with for him, which is it's not terrible. Martel's a hell of a worker. Yeah. I think for the benefit of Shawn Michaels' career, not working with Brett at this stage saved it would make Michaels a bigger star in the future. How much heat did it set up down the line, which caused yeah. a lot of bullshit to happen? Yeah, but still, had Brett and Shawn fought at SummerSlam, it would have been a great match, but that would have been it. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, yeah. Cha- it would have changed the course of history. But yeah. this match, Hill versus Hill. It's quality stuff. I, I loved mean. it. I thought it was great. <laughs> Sherry's got this great last line of this promo where um, Mean Jean asks her where she's going to stand in the match. And she says, I stand just like any other good woman, Mean Jean. I stand right by my man. And it's Sean in the background goes, let's go, Sherry. And he's like, coming, Sean. And they're like, oh, it's such a fun little gimmick. That's a rib on Macho Man. <laughs> in what way? Get it, woman. Don't get it. Well, because he bullied Elizabeth all the time oh okay so is that what that is i reckon that's what that is it could be yeah yeah uh so the rule the stipulation for this match that sherry has implemented is neither men are to hit each other in the face 
Can she do that, Joey? <laughs> exactly. 100%. <laughs> so, our next match is Rick Martel, the model Rick Martel, against Shawn Michaels. Not quite yet the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels, no. but we're getting there. He's singles. He's throwing Janetti through the barbershop window. He's throwing piss poor super kicks. <laughs> well, with sensational Sherry. So, uh, Rick Martel doesn't get an entrance terrible but he was he did have his music playing when he was in the center of the ring yeah like, currently in the ring exactly and he, he whips off his gear to reveal the kind of tennis wimbledon whites yeah i remember as a kid thinking oh he's he's a posh model character yeah. he just has tennis whites but i think the gimmick is meant to be we're in london wimbledon's in london therefore tennis well that's what <laughs> that's what uh, vince got over in country wasn't it bobby was like he's ready for wimbledon and my it's man so was weird like, like what is this gimmick but my man was like <laughs> oh well Wimbledon was a couple months ago maybe he's getting ready for the uh, the US Open and it's like so come on guys this is awkward do you think any of these 80,000 people give a shit about Wimbledon the pro wrestling fans oh probably half of them <laughs> I don't think any do but it's what it is um, there's this amazing moment when Bobby on uh, Bobby Heenan on commentary as he does the whole tennis thing goes eat your heart out Andre Agassi and then literally within two <laughs> seconds Rick Model Rick the Model Martel looks down to a camera at Ringstein and says exactly the same line it's like the the coincidence of these two dudes having exactly the same line about Andre Agassi. And they called it out on commentary. It's like, oh, you heard me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking amazing yes. stuff, man. So HBR, HBK out. I'm just going to call him HBK because it's easier. Yep. Out to the old Sherry vocal version of Sexy Boy. Fucking so brilliant. Uh, Sean's shirt would not keep him warm on a cold winter night in Kent. <laughs> <laughs> Any shirt that shows your nipples is not really a shirt. <laughs> like I'm just saying. Yeah, and, and to be fair, people should know that in modern time as well. Good yeah, worry. definitely. It's so silly. So Sherry takes off HBK's ring gear for him while Sherry and the Martel kind of flirt with each other. And Sherry's got this giant mirror that Sean's like checking himself out in. <laughs> Martel's like, ooh. <laughs> I love this gimmick. It's, this made me pop so hard. As a kid, like, I remember watching this and going, they're both bad guys, why should I care? You know, but watching this back now, like you can see these guys working with the story and everything. It's it's kind of enthralling. The whole thing was full of just dastardly everything. And the, and the, I love and the it. Heel versus heel. Oh, I'm gonna punch you! I'm gonna punch you! Oh, oh so like, good. With the backstory of uh, Rick flirting with Sherry, but Sherry is Sean's man, and the no punching in the face, and when it's SummerSlam and all the big gimmicks and everything, like they did a lot of work to try and make this match work. And it did. Yeah, yeah. I thought it really worked. You know. Uh, fun match, silly storyline, but a good laugh. Um, two new gen guys working a higher spot style. Really fun. Compared to a lot of the other stuff with the big lumbering lads before this. Yeah, this is definitely a higher tempo match. And it also... Rick again, Martel. We know Sean can go, but Rick Martel. Oh my God, this dude can go in the ring. We mentioned Martel on a previous pod, uh, which you can check in the archives, worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but he was so good, wasn't he? Amazing. A, a little bit best. juicy. I'd say. Or Martel. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think everyone was at this point, to be fair. But but fantastic in the ring. Fast, quick, something a little bit different. Yep. And a purveyor of a Boston crab. Mate, he's got some great sit down. I just think, can I get to... Um, no, I can't. Okay, don't worry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a great Rudo spot, because both guys are Rudos, where they kind of do the roll up and then they pull on each other's trunks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they keep doing it one to the next. That was absolutely great. Hilarious getting over the fact that both guys are heel. Uh, working a very clever little match. Um, we've already talked about the Brett uh, storyline. Both lads threaten to punch each other in the face. 
and literally standing off with each other. Yo, yo, yo. Sherry up on the apron and faints. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and so over theatrically, so clearly staged. It was so good. So Hilarious. well done. Really, Brilliant. really funny. Nice to have a bit of a comedy spot fest almost, you know. Uh, Bobby goes, give her mouth to mouth restitution. <laughs> restitution, <laughs> yeah, yeah. okay, is the return of objects that were stolen or lost. So I'm not sure he's quite got the right word there, but it is what it is. Uh, there's Martel and Michaels fight over Sherry on the outside punch face punch punch face okay because they've just gone fuck it of course bang 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 uh the ref double count counts out both guys for a double count out finish because obviously this is early wwe so we've had our pinfall wins and now we're into shenanigans there's quite a lot of bullshit here which i'm very happy they've got rid of so much nowadays but it it was classic wwe of the time you get your early pins you get your shenanigans and you get your main event yep exactly so there's a series of events after this match with Martel and Sean are brawling afterwards. Sherry's fainting. Both lads are trying to take her to the back. Uh, ends up with Sean carrying Sherry almost to the curtain. Rick Martel comes out with a red bucket and he goes, oh, oh, like is it the circus? <laughs> you know, going, oh, am I going to do it? <laughs> and he eventually throws the water over Sherry and HBK. HBK chases Martel to the back and Sherry sells this water like it's acid being poured. She's like, no! No! like she is fucking great, man. Every part of this match was spot on. No, no things went wrong. Even the part where Sherry clearly pretended to be, have fainted just then looks up and was like, <laughs> that goes back. That goes back to painting. So, so good. good. It feels like Sherry had a good hand in this match as well. Yeah, definitely. Like her experience in the business and such. Like you can feel her going. But what if we just did this and then you did this and I like, oh, just great storytelling. Um, one of my favorite matches of the night. Weirdly, yeah, my my second favorite match of the night. It's this. right up there. I loved you know? it, yeah. So next up, we've got Sean Mooney again backstage interview with the Nasty Boys, which was not on my VHS. Oh, was it not? No, this has very little context because they rested earlier in the night and they look very fresh in this interview. I don't think this was taped on the same show. <laughs> this, this was a lot of pre-tapes. Yeah. But yeah. my favourite part of this whole promo was, the, again, Jimmy Hart being involved and the Nasty Boys going like, but we've got a title show, haven't we, Jimmy? Uh... But Money Inc. are the champions. They're not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely film. Oh, yeah, you've definitely got a title shot. Don't worry about it, boys. You know, It's yeah, a good moment. It's funny. Because they've, they've lost the belts. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, the only notes I've got down for this is like, what are they going on about? They seem to have done a lot of drugs. <laughs> the shit instead of the Beverly Brothers introduction really pissed me off. Because next up next <laughs> is the WWF World Tag Team Title Match. Of the natural disasters, earthquake and typhoon versus. <laughs> the greatest tag team of all time, the Beverly Brothers. Do you like my lovely? I mean, tribute to the Beverly Brothers. That is a thing of beauty. I mean, we're going to get copyright hits on this one again, but that's fine. If you don't watch this on YouTube, you bloody well should be. So go subscribe on YouTube. What a wrestling podcast. Just google it youtube it you'll find us amazing let's come back to us so yeah i've got that on tap whenever i need it now like just go literally beverly's yeah (laughs) (laughs) see and again people think that we're not making a lot of money out of this podcast we've got a gadget that none of us really knows how it works and we've got an iphone x (laughs) so we've got the natural disasters of earthquake and typhoon who are the current champions they just beat money incorporated for the belts Versus the Beverly Brothers, oh god damn they're gorgeous, of Bo Beverly and Blake Beverly with the genius. Oh, what gear. Let's start with the gear of the Beverlys. Oh, 
the purple with the shinies. Matching gear, matching hair, matching boots. Mirrored gear, I think mirrored you'll find. Gear, sorry, apologies. Because Bo has the star on his left leg and Slick, uh, the, not Slick, the other one. <laughs> yeah, Slick definitely isn't involved. <laughs> Bo and Blake. Bo and Blake, sorry. Blake has the star on his right leg. Yeah. It's like, oh, just the, the thought of the cape with the white on the inside with the purple white stars mm, on the outside. So good. My favorite thing about the Beverly is if you watch any of their introductions, right? As soon as they get into the ring, Bo will look across to Blake, give him the eye contact, and be like, now. And they both lift their clo- cloaks at the same time. You're like, oh, this is awesome. I remember seeing their WWE de- <laughs> WWF debut on Wrestling oh, really? Challenge. Nice, nice. I remember it the week before. because Killing I, jobbers, no doubt. Of course. Yeah. And the week before, so they were going at the end of Wrestling Challenge what they was going to be on next week. So it was like, and we get a, an appearance from Hulk Hogan. I was like, oh, exciting. And then they said, and it's the debut of the Beverly Brothers. And it just had them <laughs> lifting their capes. And I was like, oh, sparkly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're meant to be heels. And they're fucking great workhorses. But I love them. From the very first moment I saw them and heard this music. It's like, I feel like I could walk up the street just with that music constantly. I think you should now. I think you should be one of those annoying people who just have the music coming out of their phone and just send out my ringtone and stuff, you know, just constantly call myself like, go into your daughter every morning and just play that music so she then becomes accustomed to that being her wake up song. So, Lanny Poffo, the genius, cuts one of his infamous poems. What a beautiful poem this was. And I've written it down just to make sure I get it, but I, I don't need to. I know it off by heart. From the home of Olympic Games of 1948 and the World Cup of 1966, I know the date. Now it's SummerSlam at Wembley and the genius holds the key. Behold the future champions, the brothers Beverly! Woo! I've just fulfilled a life ambition of doing that on some sort of live broadcast. <laughs> Excellent like, work. I'm very content right now. So the the natural disasters music hits this kind of rumble and the pop is insane. It's Road Warriors leave how over they are. Considering they were heels coming into this pretty much yeah. and now they're meant to be faces for no fucking reason at all. They are over as fuck. Hugely over, yeah. As a kid, I remember thinking they were the most dominant tag team of all time. And I feel like this is an opportunity missed, really, because this doesn't last very long. No. Earthquake's off to WCW, I think, quite soon. I remember seeing footage of him and Sting as a kid feuding and just thinking this was the scariest dude in the world. But John Tenter ne- never really was a top, top guy. No, he was a good four for Hogan. He was a big, big guy for Hogan to run through when he was in singles. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, you've got, um, f- uh, is it Frank Osserman? What, the guy who's um, Typhoon? Typhoon. I don't know his real name. Um, And again, another... (laughs) I only know it was one name, really. Oh, well. The The Shockmaster! Who could have had a huge run had he not fallen through a fucking wall. Yeah, I'm sure. That seems what they were setting him up for. It was all those main event guys. I mean, I don't think whatever would happen, but it is what it is. No, because he was wearing a flipping Space Marine helmet. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not great. Um, So immediately, the heel Beverly's jump the natural disasters when their backs turn. Uh, Beverly's are massively underrated workhorses. They're selling like crazy, and the, the, the natural disasters are pieces of shit because they will not sell anything the Beverly's do at but, all. But in fairness, why should they? Because <laughs> they're the greatest tag team of all time. They yeah. should sell for the Beverly's. Everyone should sell for the Beverly's. Earthquake is a four hundred pound man. I mean, for fuck's sake, man! Have you not heard this music? <laughs> like it's so good. <laughs> sell for oh. these cunts. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> uh, so my monitor went goes out for a few minutes, and somehow Typhoon's down. Um, the Beverly's have him. We're going to get him, boys. Don't worry. The Beverly's don't cheat. There was a wardrobe malfunction. That's why I went blank. (laughs) (laughs) 
Heenan has no idea which one's Bo and which one is Blake. It's really funny. He's constantly just like, which one's that? But man, is that Bo? <laughs> it's like, he doesn't give a shit. Uh, Heenan says, uh, as soon as like it looks likely that Typhoon's about to get the tag, Heenan puts this over so strong. He goes, do not let Earthquake get in that ring. And the emotions that it gives you as yeah. a kid, especially watching this. Because you know how much damage Earthquake can do. Yeah. Do not let him in. Do not let him in. If he gets in, it's all over like, for the Beverly. This is it. Look at the size of the man. You know, like insane. Uh, Earthquake cheats, the cheaty little bastard, and gives Bo a big whoopsie illegally. Yeah. He just jumps in the ring, gives it to him. Like, horrible piece of shit. Uh, Typhoon eventually gets the tag to Earthquake, and the pop is insane. Again, they are just massively, massively over. It's ridiculous. Earthquake proceeds to kill the Beverly's, a uh, power slam by Earthquake. Earthquake jumps up and down in a circle around whichever one. The vibration the when she was doing that as well. It looks huge on the camera. And the way, like, the whole 80,000 start going, as he's doing it's like an earthquake's happening like this is just perfect it's so well done um heenan goes wait a second my clothes fell off (laughs) (laughs) heenan's so funny (laughs) a big whoopsie by the earthquake for the one two three and your winners and still wf tag team champions the natural disasters and they're very mean to lanny poffo after the match yeah bullies bullies to the genius yeah should have put the belt on the beverly's it would have been amazing (laughs) it's amazing they didn't get a tag run yeah, it's short-lived now. I mean, they were over in Minnesota as top guys, you know, and they came here as essentially job guys. Um, there's lots of talk about how these boys used to look after The Undertaker when he'd get very, very drunk. Ah, uh, okay. And so I think they were useful guys to have around, respected. Um, so basically this entire show was Undertaker's mates, including Shungo on the pre-show. <laughs> pretty much, man. Um, who's the other podcast that Conrad does? Bischoff. No, the other one. Pritchard. Pritchard. So I listened to a clip where Pritchard was talking about um, how Bo, who I think is the more slimmer of the Beverly's, is one of the strongest guys they ever had. Like weightlifting oh, really? ways, he could like lift like 400 pounds and stuff. Like insanely talented dude. So, I mean, I would love to have seen them put over more, but this is the right decision. It's a great match. I remember as a kid just being desperate for the natural disasters to win, you know, yeah. still loving the Beverly's, but they're full guys. And yeah. they're fucking great at it. Well, they're, they're named enhancement talent aren't they yeah, yeah. Exactly. same thing as the bushwhackers were always there they'd, yeah. always, they'd always go near the tag title picture then they've got characters they're not going to lose every match but they're never going to win the titles but the beverly's had beautiful dyed blonde mullets oh god did damn they they sexy decent ring entrance <laughs> i think they did <laughs> i'm so happy <laughs> we've just had to pay five thousand pounds to vince mcmahon <laughs> i don't think anyone cares about the beverly's entrance anymore but who cares so um what the fuck? Mean Gene is suddenly backstage with the Bushwhackers? Like, what is this? This, again, was not on the VHS copy I had. Just, again, to get lots of terrible puns in. Yeah, they seem to have muscle spasms because I can't stop doing this as they're talking. And it's like, Live the gimmick. <laughs> at a time where kayfabe was rampant. Yeah, I mean, seriously, what is this interview? I don't get it at all. Why is this here? What has it got to do with anything? That it's just toilet humour. Literally guess, toilet humour. I guess the only question I've got out of this is, did you ever see... Well, hey, there goes my microphone. Do you ever see the sheep herders? Uh, from their early days. Yeah. They were a lot more... Uh, Angry and scary. Yeah. I think they would have done better than... A, but in fairness, I say they've done better. They're Hall of Famers. They, everyone knows who they are. If you start doing the Bushwhacker movement... Yeah, uh, yeah. The reason why I'm not doing it, probably I don't want to hit my mic. Of course. I'll move yeah, away. I've done it so many times in this pod. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lit kids. Yay. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> There's a quote. <laughs> um, yeah, I... 
this promo did nothing other than the fact it was just humor for the American audience, I think. Pretty much, man. Dumb American thing. So <laughs> Lord Alfred Hayes is outside the Ultimate Warriors dressing room now. Uh, Hayes believes that Mr. Perfect is in the dressing room. Uh, Hayes has a cheeky peek inside, but the door gets slammed on him and he's cuts back to the ringside. Well, because he was very upset about the lack of... Yeah, He's a massive hypocrite. <laughs> Bad etiquette. Yeah, breaking his rules yeah. of like, you know, professionalism. Um, there you go. Uh, what's journalistic integrity? He breaks and jumps in and is like, you shouldn't do that. It's someone else's dressing room. It's no, terrible. exactly. Um, but these douchebags with their own dressing rooms, aren't they meant to get all changed in the locker room together? Isn't that the mentality of pro wrestling? Not when you're main event stars. <laughs> hey, Brock. <laughs> Wembley, for fuck's sake. Probably got a few spare dressing rooms, I'd imagine, but uh, who knows. So next up, we've got Crush versus the Repo Man. You, this was on your show, yep. right? Yeah, good stuff. I mean, who doesn't love Crush's entrance music? It's, dun, it's, dun, dun, I haven't got that loaded up, unfortunately. Shout at the devil. Exactly, oh, after da, 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 the da, 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 super da. quiz card. That's all I can think of now <laughs> when I hear that. Yeah, this is a complete rip of Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil, if you didn't know. But. And it's great to have Re- Repo Man. The Repo Man. So, this match. pop for me for Repo Man. That's fucking great, isn't it? So, this match was not broadcast on the UK pay-per-view, weirdly. Because I don't think we understand what a Repo Man is. Okay. We don't really have those here. I mean, we probably do now, but they're called something else, I imagine. It's a very American term, Repo Man. A debt enforcer. There you go. Debt collector is probably the yeah. best way to put it, but whatever. Not Dog the Bounty Hunter. No, we don't really have those here. <laughs> I yeah. wish we, we did. We have a legal system that works. <laughs> 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 so, uh, But this was broadcast in the US pay-per-view on the Monday afterwards, so it's what it is. Um, this match was on my VHS, though, which is a bit of a weird one. Because hmm. if it wasn't broadcast in the UK stuff, why is it on the VHS? Bonus but- feature. Yeah, pretty much, man. It's in order. Like, you know, it's really like nighttime as well for this match, which is where the lights start to kick yeah. in. It starts to become more dramatic looking. Which is fine because Crush's outfit just in, like fills the scene with light. The, the purple and orange with the yellow. It's like, Face oh, Crush. Holy never. neon, mate. <laughs> Face Crush has never been a good thing for me. As a kid, I remember thinking he could be like potential next big star. Of course, yeah. he's so over. He's so big. The music's amazing, you know. But as an adult, you watch his back and you're like, eh. fake Hawaiian. <laughs> <laughs> was he a fake Hawaiian? Yeah, to start with. Really? Was he not a real Hawaiian? Uh, who knows? I don't know. Brian Adams? Yeah, Brian Adams. Is yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. So, uh, Heel Crush was definitely better when he had the face paint wearing the black going against Savage and a false count anywhere. Man, that was a good feud. A bit beyond my time, mate. Like, I didn't really see much oh, really? of that. Yeah, like, it was a big skip of my wrestling. Like, 92, 93, I kind of watched. Then I didn't really do anything until we got cable in like, you know, 97. Uh, okay. And so there's like a good five year gap there where I just didn't know what was happening. And I've watched a lot of it back over the years, like with the network and such. But It's one of my few, well, I say few, one of my many childhood memories, but one of the really few poignant points, Crush and Savage had a force count anywhere match. Nice. And Savage tied Crush up. You had to pin them and get back to the ring. All and right. then there was a count of 10. And basically he tied Crush's legs up pinned him and then used a pulley and hung crush upside down and ran back to the ring <laughs> no shit i didn't know amazing that. amazing man that's pretty cool so um crush and repo man former, that... former demolition tag team yes yeah. <laughs> like, they had a match yeah. well they were both in demolition at one yeah. time so it's like it's crazy to see these two guys and these new gimmicks not even referencing demolition or anything because i don't think we're meant to know that repo man was no well to be fair I smash whichever and i didn't realize till probably about 10 years ago that Reaper Man was one of Demolition. It took me a while to put two and two together. Yeah. As a kid, I had no idea, obviously. No. I didn't really know who Demolition were because I didn't really watch much I was so this. excited when I got the Hasbro Repo Man action figure, though. Nice, nice. great. 
So uh, Crush's power mullet is fucking gorgeous. And obviously with the purple and orange underneath, like, this is just amazing early 90s kind of gimmick work. It looks like he's on spring break. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so the head crushing crushing gesture is really over with the crowd. Like They're all doing this as Crush is coming to the ring. I quite like the gimmick, man. I've always liked this. Like That's his finish, like the, like the Iron Claw with the Von Erichs or something, you yeah. know? Like the head crushing giant dude. Something different. Yeah, it works for me. Um, Crush essentially squashes Repo Man in the match. Vincent Heenan are talking more about whose corner Mr. Perfect will be in than the actual match that's happening in front of them. Crush crushes Repo Head's Repo oh, Head. I can't yeah, say that. That's love a say. bit of Repo Head. I wrote this sentence going, I better get that right when I said <laughs> <laughs> I fucked it up. Repo Head. <laughs> da, 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 da. So Crush crushes Repo Man's head. The ref stops the match and your winner is Crush. Um, not even a pinfall or a submission or anything. The ref's just like, nah, you've had enough. See you later. Um, he does a weird thing with his tongue after the match crush. Kind of goes like, I can't do it. But I don't know how he does it. He rolls his tongue like backwards. I'm so glad again that we've got video. People <laughs> want to come back and watch the Beverly's entrance. You want to come back and see Rich's face there doing his crush impression. <laughs> I mean, that's what he does. Watch your back. <laughs> it's weird, man. He doesn't look disabled as I do doing it. But like, you know. It's it's something. It's like the Rock's eyebrow or something. It's like it's just it's a habit that he keeps getting into almost. Yeah, but at least people would try and do the people's eyebrow in the stadium. Can you imagine eighty thousand people going? Nah. <laughs> well, maybe it's ninety-two after all. But it's true. It's true. Yeah. So I mean, this is a trash match. It's just a filler before our first main event of the evening, if you will. Yeah, this is this was rest break. Yeah, which is why they were putting over the main event on commentary. They sell some popcorn and maybe some merch outside. And maybe a you know. foam hand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they sold a lot of those fucking things. Quick, we've got all these Hulk Hogan banners we need to shoot. <laughs> Quick, let's <laughs> let everyone knows he's not here. How long have we gone so far? Can you see? Oh, I've not got it up. Don't worry. Don't worry. So Mean Gene's backstage introduces the video package for the next match. You can tell this is a big deal with Mean Gene oh, interviewing yeah. a video package. Interviewing, introducing a video package. Uh, it's a very long video package here. Really long. But it's clear and shows all the important bits, really gets over the storyline of Macho and Flair and Perfect and Warrior and who's corners and who and no one likes each other. So basically, Flair and Perfect don't get on with either of Macho or Warrior. Macho and Warrior don't get on either because there's an incident where the, uh, Macho accidentally gets pushed into Warrior in a tag match and blah, blah, blah. There's some heat created that way. Because that was with the nasties, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this is fully nighttime now as we cut back to Wembley and it looks fucking awesome. So good. Like the lighting and the crowd lit up like this. Like it's oh it's just brilliant stuff. So I didn't really need to just quickly just blow my nose and stuff, so I'm just gonna put this intermission for two seconds. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome to intermission. Uh, I'll leave the mic actually no, I'm gonna mute my mic. There we go. Fuck it. Welcome to intermission on the World of Wrestling podcast. I've yet to mute both, can't you? Oh, what a waste of my time. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I'm just getting to the point where I can't breathe anymore. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. I've decided I'm not going to blow my nose on stream anymore because I watched it back the other day. I was like, that's disgusting. <laughs> that's why I've got the intermission slide. All right. We are muted, aren't we? Yeah, good stuff. So the next up, we have the WWF World Heavyweight Championship match of the champion Randy Savage versus the challenger of the Ultimate Warrior. In giant Gonzalez gear. <laughs> the painted on abs yeah. and stuff like that's yeah. how i that's how i would that's how i go to commentary now i get someone to airbrush on some abs for me <laughs> just when i'm around these really buff wrestlers all the time they're like oh tax works out i mean this is the first big pay for you without hulk hogan hulk hogan and vince has blatantly gone 
well, we're doing Savage Warrior then, because those are the other two guys that everyone knows. And likes. And loves and adores, and we know we can still sell if we put those two guys in the main event together, even though it's technically not the main event. Um, What do you think about Savage and Warrior up until this point in their careers? Well, they had the Barnstormer at WrestleMania 7. Right. So I think that was... for the IC belt? Uh, no, that was for the world. Was that for the world it? belt? Yeah, because okay, because you had um, Slaughter Hogan at seven, didn't you? Don't know, probably. I think so. Yeah, because it's more. I watched them all, but I, they all blended into one. They might be for the totally IC. Um, but yeah, they had an absolutely storming match at WrestleMania seven. Yeah. Um, but I think that at this stage, Macho Man was probably my favourite face cool. at the time. Warrior, I was always Warrior over Hogan. Yeah, me too. But then as time grew on, Macho Man was becoming a face and had, again, much more jazzy gear. Jazzy. It's like, <laughs> a nice way of putting it. I, I was I was all in for Macho Man, but I still like the Warrior. Okay. But he's obviously just come back after his disappearance. Yeah, indeed. He's come off after holding up Vince McMahon. He looks a bit smaller than he did before. Why is that, I wonder? Hmm. <laughs> well, that's like painting on abs. He's got a, it's like a compression top. It's just sucking everything in. <laughs> Is what the American ladies call spanks. Spanks. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I love it, mate. So Heenan and McMahon put over the storyline at ringside. The camera's on them at this point. The camera cuts back to the ring and Heenan mumbles something about Savage being in the corner. You're like, hey, what? <laughs> <laughs> like really clever. Just putting over this storyline over and over and over again. Really emphasizing. I loved it. as well before the hand. Like Heenan was like, I don't know. Flair and Perfect said they, they, they tell me they trust me, but they don't want to get me involved. They don't want to get me involved. So they yeah. haven't told me. But I know. But they don't want to get me involved. And right at the end, as it comes, he's like, and Savage is going to be... (laughs) Mumbles it out. And you're like, oh, fucking great stuff. (laughs) Warrior's entrance. God damn. This music, the custom ring jacket, the WWF strap strap painted on the back, the Union Jacks down the side. That's hassles. The running to the ring. The shaking of the rope. So gassed. Because that's a long entrance. (laughs) Absolutely, man. As a kid, though, I was just like, holy fucking shit i am hype beyond belief yeah. seeing this entrance i remember always sitting there with things like holding a sofa cushion be like <laughs> shaking it it's amazing we all know warrior did some fucked up shit later in his life but at this point in his career as a kid as a the warrior watching character it, yeah perfect absolutely great and only one thing can really top this bam 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 land of hope and glory plays as macho man randy savage comes out in all the grandeur of a true heavyweight champion and he is championship personified isn't he holy even as a kid i remember seeing this thinking oh that's classy he's a big deal yeah Yeah. very much so just so cool i'm literally almost on the verge of tears thinking about this (laughs) everyone watching this kid and be like this is amazing like and it's 20 however many years later ridiculous such a huge fan you know i owe it all to this pretty much so Mr. Perfect did not come out with either man during their entrance, even adding tension to this storyline. Yeah. And Macho and Warrior are both very wary of each other to start with. Uh, they do a tenuous handshake and both get in each other's faces and we're off. <laughs> they get right in each other's faces. The slow build, classic WWF long match stuff. Okay. Uh, lots of power moves, then posing by the Warrior. Savage selling like an absolute don for Warrior, doing his best. Warriors selling's okay in this match, but it it feels it feels like he knows who he's working with. Yeah, he's not Helwig's not going to sell, so Savage isn't going to sell. 
Yeah, they're both. Like, Savage does a good job of selling his knee, for example, later on, especially. Yeah, story, that, that story selling rather yeah. than selling the basic moves. Because exactly. Warriors selling shit, as always. So, I mean, they go back and forth. Little slip ups here and there. There's a few times that Warrior botches stuff. Macho has to kind of rescue him and put him back into position and such. Um, again, we've got, much like earlier with the two heels with Martel and Sean, we've got two top faces here. Difficult story to tell. Yeah, I mean, the crowd. You could tell it was a split. It was a 50-50 split. I mean, yeah. a lot of cheers for both, but... I'd say Savage starts to become more the heel as the match goes on. Yeah. But the storyline keeps them both strong, very, very face. Yeah. And it feels like they've supplemented the two matches where they haven't got a heel's face dynamic with clever storytelling. Yeah, and I think, again, as you said in the Martel-HBK match, a lot of that was down to Sherry. Yeah. And I think a lot... I mean, this... I mean, you know... Savage is going to be there leading the way, but having people like Henning and Flair to get involved and Warrior was, Warrior was there. Could you have a better cast of people in this match? Like what Warrior's involvement was, well, oh, we're pink face paint. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right, Jim. You crack on. <laughs> I think you're doing a little disservice. Grown-ups are talking. It is what it is. As a kid, right, I hated this match. Oh, really? I absolutely detested it. It's very slow and it's like come on can we just get to bulldog and brett please yeah. like all i wanted to see was bulldog because he's the british dude in yeah. the main event you know it's a seven-year-old like it's the bisping effect yeah it really is like that's a nice way of putting it um but as an adult i can really really appreciate this match the storytelling is top notch and like, probably one of the longest warrior matches ever oh it has to be it's like 20, half an hour 28 plus. minutes it's 28 minutes bell to bell. but with entrances and such yeah. as well like you're talking 35 30 40 minutes when we were watching this on the on the stream yeah they came out and I was like, there's still two hours of the show left. Yeah. Bloody hell. It felt very long, very slow as a kid, yeah. but you can see why. They have the crowd eating out the palm of their hands the whole time. And it gives it this big kind of epic feel being this long as well. Yeah. So, I mean, about 15 minutes into the match, Warrior's face paint is coming off, but not around his eyes. He's still got like black around his eyes. It looks like D. Schneider from Twisted Sister. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think it's fucking brilliant with the 80s rock star yeah. perm as well. Or someone's punched him in the eyes. Well, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Macho takes control for the majority of the next part of the match. As a kid, I assumed Macho was the bad guy. I think it's because, you know, um, you have the shine and you have the heat, obviously, you know. So Macho Man taking the heat here and doing all this stuff and being the dominant guy. Yeah. I think implied to me as a kid, knowing wrestling a little bit, that Macho was going to be the guy that turned. Yeah. I don't know if you felt this way. Um, I just saw it again that, from from as a kid i was just like oh it's just so good yeah two of my favorites having a fight to see who is the best but it doesn't matter because we all win yeah and now so. and now seeing it's a case of well there's no other way they could have done it because warrior couldn't have carried this part to carry the story oh definitely imagine you, anyone else in this match with warrior this, this is nowhere near yeah. this caliber of match like, said, the whole, savage is doing the legwork the whole success of this match was down to the storytelling yeah and warrior is a suitable um not seller but he absorbs attacks quite well <laughs> to allow other people yeah, yeah. to tell a story I can put that. so macho can't get warrior up for a suplex and starts to sell his back leading to warrior taking over for the next 15 minutes in the match so this is literally 50 50 booked when it's just yeah. the two of them constantly they're both reluctant to sell for each other they're both reluctant to look weak in any way shape or form but it adds to the tension i think in the match and really works uh, Warrior kind of sells his neck, but not sure I've ever seen Warrior sell, so I don't know what he's doing. Warrior's sell was pretty much this. 
oh, oh, my neck. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> and then like any true professional to sell that injury, click, click. Oh, it's better. Exactly. Everyone's neck injuries, who carries a neck injury knows that's how you fix the neck. <laughs> oh, miraculously, I'm repaired. Thinking Gary Wolf at this point, trying yeah. to crick his neck back in when it's broken. You're like, fucking hell, man. So a whole bunch of cool spots and Savage is stopping Warrior from getting counted out. He brings him back in the ring to literally stop the count out. And here come Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect Woo! down to ringside. Perfect trips Savage up behind the referee's back. And Savage is like, hey, you did it for the money. Yeah, exactly. And that's where the story layers really start coming in here. It's so well told. It's very complicated. And I'll try, I try to keep this as clean as possible. We're not calling any of the spots and just talking about the storyline here, right? So... Heenan and my man put over strong that Perfect is in Warrior's corner because he's tripped Savage. Warrior does a choke bomb to Savage and throws Savage down on his back and his neck hits the fucking bottom turnbuckle. Uh, because this is Warrior, that was actually meant to be just a short arm clothesline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, El Hebner is down, ref bump. So we get Macho hits a beastly looking pile driver on Warrior. Perfect in the ring to help Warrior get back to his feet as Savage is down trying to get the ref up. Then Perfect holds Warrior's arms behind his back as Flair jumps in the ring, sucker punches Warrior with the knuckles, the knuckle dusters, yeah. sorry. Heenan puts over that Perfect and Flair are working with Savage now, and you're like, oh, they've drawn us in, they've drawn us in. <laughs> Savage hits the macho elbow drop for the Hebner slow count because he's recovering for the one, two, and Vince McMahon does the classic, no, and you're like, oh, really good sell. Ultimate Warrior hulks up now, stealing Matt, uh, stealing Hogan's gimmick. So every time uh, Savage punches him, he's like, in my notes, I he warriors up. Warriors up. There you go. That's a good way of putting it. Warrior hits all his signature stuff, goes for the finish, hits one rope, hits the other rope. Perfect tries to trip him, but just missed. But Warrior looks back and is like, hey, what the fuck? Goes to hit the other ropes. Flair smashes a steel chair across yes. Warrior's back. And we're like, oh, I love this match so much at this point. The, the lead up to this is like, I could take or leave to yeah. be totally honest, but this storytelling is so good. Savage back to his feet, sees Warrior is down, starts to question it. Looks to Flair, looks to Perfect. It's like, did you do this? <laughs> like the st- the selling from Macho at this point. Fucking hell, man! Very happy it's Macho in this scenario, not Warrior. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Can you imagine Warrior trying to sell this? Who did what? He'd be like, I do this. You come here. <laughs> did you put the plane into a nosedive, <laughs> Ric Flair? <laughs> yeah, fucking a. So Macho and Perfect have an altercation. Um, Savage goes up top, looks at Warrior, looks at Flair. Looks back down at Warrior, dead in the ring. Turns to Flair. Goes to axe handle him. Savage leaps off the top rope towards Flair. Flair waffles Savage with the steel chair. Referee eventually counts out Macho Man Randy Savage for the 10 count. Leading to Ultimate Warrior winning this match via count out. And I remember being so disappointed about that as a kid. But... Uh, the second the bell rings, Perfect and Flair start picking apart Macho's knee. They demolish this dude in a vicious attack. As a kid, I remember being genuinely terrified of Flair and Perfect <laughs> at this point. Because they're brutal. They do all sorts of stuff that people don't do today, where they like wrap the the knee in between their legs and kind of kneel down on yeah. it and such. I'd love to boing, see people do boing, that more. Yeah. It's a really cool shit in this moment. Um, so Warrior, then with the steel chair in hand, chases Flair and Perfect to the back. And it gets announced that still WWF World Heavyweight Champion, the Macho Man Randy Savage, gets kind of a few boos and a bit of confusion and stuff from the crowd. But Warrior grabs the strap, picks up Macho, puts the strap over his shoulder. 
both guys um, celebrate as Ultimate Warrior's music plays because he's won the match technically, yeah. but Savage is still the champ. Um, yeah, Macho is selling his knee like crazy because Flair and Perfect have destroyed it. But Setting up for a figure four at later date. All sequential storyline telling. Fantastic. Fantastic selling by Savage. Great work by Flair and Perfect. And Warrior was there. Indeed, yeah. So uh, Warrior gets fired about two or three months later, I believe, after this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so this is probably the greatest Ultimate Warrior match ever, I'd say. Yes. I can't I mean, think of another that competes. People, the nostalgia and the crowd interaction at WrestleMania 6 for Warrior Hogan, I think from a crowd standpoint was better. Okay. I think from an in-ring standpoint, the storytelling, Savage Warrior here for the story was better. For an in-ring match, Savage and Warrior at WrestleMania 7 was better than this match. Fair enough, mate. I don't feel the same. I think this is right up there i think the crowd reaction towards the end with the story with flair and perfect and everything i think it's just immaculate storytelling um again i can understand why there's not a clean finish here but it'd be nice to have one pay-per-view in it <coughs> <laughs> exactly keep, this keep time, both so. you guys strong this is a dusty finish if ever i saw a dusty yeah. finish even though dusty's nowhere to be seen <laughs> like you know <laughs> what i mean so we cut uh, what do you think of the match in general really good yeah really good main event but again wouldn't have been able to end the card like that no no definitely not so mean jeans backstage with perfect and flair bit of a pre-tape here because they don't look very sweaty or like they've done anything the hair's all yeah. perfect shape and such i really wish rick flair had taken the wrong gear to wembley hang on <laughs> weren't you just wearing turns up in the blue or something <laughs> yeah. you know? but they put over that plan b is in full effect and that there is a deal in place and the deal is between flair and perfect not between these two guys <laughs> it's just like yeah really really good uh flair is in full shouty mode wants the shat or shot title shot you know i want a shot i want the title shot i love the way he says it but it's great so uh next up after this we get kamala with harvey whippleman and kimchi and a bit of closet racism on commentary absolutely versus the undertaker with paul bearer um fink sarcastically introduces whippleman in the ring whippleman grits really angry about it and threatens to knock fink out immediately <laughs> i'm like okay fair enough boys so let's talk about this kamala gimmick how racist is the kamala gimmick I mean, the Kamala gimmick's not great. It's how Harvey Wimpleman's introduction from it for right. him. What does he say? Do from remember? deepest, darkest Africa. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, not great, Jesus. is it? Um, My neck's I, gone, sorry. I I always liked the appearance oh, and the it. visual of Kamala. Oh, well, that's Warrior's neck injury fixed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I said I'd crack my neck. I felt fucking great. <laughs> um, I always liked the appearance of Kamala, again, for something different. Right. I thought the ring music was not great. Even, uh, and especially uh, now <laughs> i liked his ceremonial uh headdress slash mask i yeah, like that very very cool i like uh, the gimmick gets over strong i like the fact that kamal is essentially a dimwit and doesn't know how to pin people on their back and always tries to pin them on their front and goes <laughs> basically crushes facial expression again yeah if they weren't doing the whole he's a black fella from deepest darkest africa the yeah. jungles of whatever you know like if they weren't going that far it'd be quite a fun interesting gimmick but it just feels so yeah. so just of the time i guess the horrible with a well-known manager as a safari man kimchi <laughs> do you know who it was under the mask no no me neither a doink i wondered if we knew i i tried to remember but i didn't have time to look it up doesn't matter so um my, my favorite thing about kamala he's got a moon painted on his smooth belly i like the fact <laughs> he always like walks the ring patting his belly which reminds yeah. me of my daughter when she's hungry she just walks up to me and goes hungry, hungry tummy <laughs> <laughs> and i'll be like oh little baby kamala <laughs> 
So Undertaker is led out by Paul Bearer. Taker is coming out on the back of a hearse with a coffin in it. Who is the dead man in the hearse tax? I'm very worried. Kamala's career. <laughs> but also, I'd say this is one of the first bigger... I mean, th- this has to be the first big entrance for The Undertaker because, you know, coming out on the back of a yeah, hearse... at SummerSlam and Wembley, you know, it's a big deal. And at this stage, Vince is probably a bit like, in 25 years' time, when this guy's still fucking around, can we just get him on some wheels or at least a floating platform so it doesn't take so bloody long to walk to the ring? Yeah, maybe so, man. Quick sidebar. Okay. On the subject, we're the running Undert- quite long, by the way. That's right. Quick sidebar: <laughs> the subject of the Undertaker. Yeah. Uh, have you seen the press releases, which were quickly pulled back in? That are they referring to him as Hall of Fame inductee, the Undertaker? No. So they released. Oh, okay. So he's going to be Hall of Fame. Well, so. then they quickly retracted everything. But okay. considering he's doing a talking tour next year, I think he's in there, which is why he's going to win the fucking Royal Rumble. Let's <laughs> okay. move on. So two lads in full Taker cosplay look really super depressed. <laughs> I'm gonna go back and listen to their fucking grunge music. I think <laughs> mid nineties, you know. Uh, Taker isn't wearing purple. This is grey and black Undertaker. I remember when I was younger, always getting a pair of grey socks and tucking my trousers in at playground nice. at school. And just Dude, you're them wearing up. Taker colours right now. <laughs> You've got purple and black on. Like it's you're almost like it, it was planned. <laughs> <laughs> so Taker is in full dead man mode. If you haven't seen early Undertaker like this, the acting job he does in it is fucking brilliant. Yeah, literally like he's a zombie fire dead man come back to life does an absolute great job of it taker essentially no cells or barely cells i should say any of kamala's offense because he's impervious to pain due to the urn exactly taker runs through all of his spots the old school the flying clothesline it's not cool with old school at this point <laughs> but you know uh, kimchi in to hit taker with the back of the helmet to, jungle helmet i've put here to cause a disqualification he's got the white <laughs> yeah. kind of you know safari thing so this causes the disqualification uh causing undertaker to win via dq uh, Kamala proceeds to beat down Taker post-match Brett's rope splash top rope splash Undertaker just sits up and stalks Kamala to the back no sell everything yeah good breather before the main event yeah really good storytelling I remember loving this match as a kid and being ta- over, Taker being over as hell with me two mystical creatures yeah. very good face Taker as well yeah this is the beginning of his face run really well this was after the Jake Roberts turn yeah. helping Savage out quite a clever decision because yeah. this is typically a heel character really yeah you know? Yeah, absolutely great. Um, there's a big network edit in this point, which is um, I remember it vividly. As soon as it cut, like to like the Taker standing in a different position, I was like, "Oh, what did they cut out?" There's a moment where Taker just chokes Kamala on the floor, uh, okay. which is not in the network version, so you can understand yeah. why. But considering the amount of choking nails did earlier in the night, I'm like, "Really? You cut it for the Undertaker?" Well, he's a convict. <laughs> so there is a another match here. Did you get the Tanka Berserker match, or is this no? Dark? So there's another dark match here of the undefeated Tatanka versus the Berserker, who's doing his rip off. Um, Bruiser Brody gimmick, yep. but the hus 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 is super super over with me. Um, I was going to ask you to do the Tatanka sound. <laughs> Pretty good, very good. <laughs> Hasbro facts again: the Berserk was the first character with removable clothing because his little like loin nice. thing that he wore over you could take it off, and he was just Berserker in blue pants. Sweet deal. But still, also wearing his Viking hat. <laughs> And blue pants. I don't care. <laughs> right, let's move on. Let's move on. So Tatanka shines early, uh, forces the Berserker to do the splits. Big man doing the splits. Pretty fucking impressive, this cell. Uh, Berserker beats up Tatanka on the outside. Tatanka receipts everything Berserker does to him, which is pretty cool. So he does a slam on the outside. He throws him into the steps. and Tatanka does all the same shit. Uh, war dance from Tatanka. Tomahawk chop off the top. Samoan drop for the one, two, three. Why is Tatanka doing a Samoan drop? That's for the Samoans. Because he's a Native American from those African islands. There's American islands. <laughs> the Native American islands of Samoa. 
So the tomahawk chop, this thing that the Braves do, you know, the Atlanta yeah. Braves is over as fuck with this crowd. Like the 80,000 impress- all doing it. What's he doing? Everything. Everything, yeah. Come definitely. by, come by. Um, I think both guys have got potential, to be totally honest, but they, they're they both just wasters, to be fair. Yeah. Nothing really comes of either. It's a bit of a shame. Um, I just wish they'd had Bruiser Brody, not this dude. Yeah. It would have been great if they'd signed up Bruiser, if they could have signed up him, but it's so wild. It never would have happened. But anyway, so Bulldog, let's cut to our main event now. Oh, yeah. A British Bulldog is backstage being interviewed by Sean Mooney. In the ring, he doesn't know who Brett is. He won't know who Brett is, blah, blah, blah. He's not his brother, blah, 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 blah. Um, hypes up the family can come and uh, be back together at the end of the match. And wrestling in front of 80,000 compatriots is the Bulldog's dream. Every single thing he said in this promo was set up by Brett. Because <laughs> Brett then has a backstage interview with Mean Gene going and talks about the pressures of the situation, brings up Bulldog's promo and tells him to look in the, look him in the face and tell Brett he doesn't know who he is. Great moment. Nicely done. Really good shit. <laughs> Blatantly all Brett's planning, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Bulldog's dream is going to turn into a nightmare and he'll wake up in the dungeons of Windsor Castle. Nicely done. Well known. The well-known dungeons of Windsor Castle. <laughs> It's like that well-known Salisbury Cathedral with that 123-meter steeple. Uh, it's fucking you fly great, away from man. Russia the to go dungeons of like the Queen's house. <laughs> like, where is this? Like, Winter is not a big medieval castle. John. Well, you'll this see is the... like a nice medieval country home. I guess the best way to put it. Bushwhackers are there having tea on the throne, <laughs> and then uh, you know he's in jail. Yeah, yeah, just madness i love it just he's obviously gone tell me a castle when's a castle all right he's gone to the promo and like oh no not that kind of castle <laughs> what a rib <laughs> <laughs> so we get a brief intermission here we cut back to um, ringside cut to the stadium whatever piper is plays scotland the brave uh, the irish call to arms uh with bagpipes a uh, bunch of lovely lads from the balmoral highlanders uh did the queen book this probably seems like it doesn't it uh heenan has the classic line of i hate hard rock <laughs> <You're just laughs> yeah. like, i fucking love you bobby heenan so much um surprisingly piper is really really good at playing the bagpipes marches in time and everything if he's even playing them uh, i'm pretty sure he is cause it seems like he does the solo at the beginning but it could be someone else doing it but his fingers move exactly Press in time play yeah maybe so man i've actually seen an interview where he claims that he definitely can play the bagpipes so We'll Wasn't see. he playing one of the trumpets in Vince McMahon's Stand Back video, which oh, was definitely fake? No idea. So Sean Mooney it does a little ringside interview with Diana Smith. Uh, she looks absolutely gormless and terrified about what's going to happen. Um, does an okay job of putting over the story, the rivalry, tasty suede jacket too, with tassels and stuff. Like, yeah, whoa. for a non-performer, she did quite well in this interview. I think yeah. she told everything quite well. Really sympathetic. Yeah. I remember as a kid being actually scared for this main event and adding this pressure and that, that meaning so much more than just seeing two guys go to the ring and have a match, you know? Years later, they gave birth to the man who then stole his father's name because he couldn't get over by himself, David Boy Smith Jr. Oh, well, mm, I think that's harsh, but it's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So we've got a WF Intercontinental Championship match of Bret Hart, our current champion, versus the British Bulldog. <laughs> so let's quickly run through Bret's shoot about this and what happened yeah. and how it happens, okay? So Bret and Bulldog had a match in the summer to prepare for SummerSlam, and it was an abortion, as Bret puts it. Badly timed, badly wrestled. So Bret went back and went, fuck that shit. We're not doing that again if it's Wembley. I'm putting this match together. Yeah. And had it literally step by step it's all brett he wrote this match time and time again in july bulldog gets an injury or staff infection as brett puts it and just went home 
So this is July. This is August now yep. we're talking. And so they haven't seen each other since, okay? Brett constantly is calling Davey, but Bulldog would not respond, would not return his phone calls, wouldn't leave messages, anything. Brett says Davey had a serious drug problem at the time. Rumor goes that he was regularly smoking crack cocaine with Jim Neidhart. Who wouldn't? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's terrible, but, you know, this seems to be the truth of the matter. There's someone to hang out with, I'd hang out with Jim Neidhart. <laughs> Bulldog apparently admitted to Brett 48 hours before this flight to London that he has not slept. Literally, for the 48 hours before they've got on the flight, like, he hadn't slept at all. Bulldog confessed this all to Brett before this, on the Saturday before the show on the Sunday. <laughs> just like, no, on the Saturday of the main. Yeah. Was, this is, it was on it was the on day. Saturday, he basically it? was like, I'm sorry, Brett, just let you know. Uh, I'm fucked. Fucking crazy, man. This whole thing. This is 100% Brett talking Bulldog through the match every step. You can see it in the match. Yeah, and Brett talks about how you'll never see Brett Hart talking in a match apart from that one. Yeah. And he literally, literally has to do the first headlock takeover. Suplex, take down. (laughs) The story goes the way Brett tells it is, you know, they have the exchange at the beginning where they shove each other. Brett puts him in the head dock, flips him over. You can see Brett in the, because I knew this story, I'd watched it before. Uh, You see Brett look down and be like, like that. Like he's talking, going, what are you talking about? (laughs) Bulldog apparently literally just looks up to Brett and goes, I'm fucked. (laughs) <laughs> I'm absolutely fucked I can't remember anything you said I feel like shit I've got no energy like, I'm done I did and that in my like, match of meat this is I the went, first I fucking went, thing we've done I went down I was like I'm gassed <laughs> <laughs> can we do headlocks please lots of headlocks I wanted rest holds he hit me with a fucking blockbuster <laughs> let's talk about the match right Go for it. so Royal Britannia plays and Bulldog comes out with a very very young Lennox Lewis holding up the Union Jack yeah. considering the career Lennox Lewis has like seeing that's him with this young name. man, you know, like that's yeah. a huge dude. This is the guy that beat Tyson. This is the guy who went undefeated, the British heavyweight champion. The no World Matilda champion. though. Nah, no Matilda. Thank God. <laughs> she was safe for the Kenlin Hell match in like ten years <laughs> later. Fucking animal abusing bastards. Anyway, uh, Davy looks bloated. I'd say watching this back. Yeah. At the time, I'm just like, it's the bulldog. I love the bulldog. But you watch him now, like he's got a big double chin. He's got no abs whatsoever. Very roidy, huge arms, but. He looks like he's carrying a lot of water. Yeah. Yeah, he did not look in a good way. Sexy braids, though. Who? I mean, I can't, <laughs> I can't even have them now, so let's move on. <laughs> so Bulldog is over as fuck with this crowd. Like, he's seriously just oh, the, the pop for Bulldog. The the people, like, with Union Jack singing Rule Britannia and stuff. Like, oh, just classic stuff. I mean, Vince would be looking at this going yes yeah we got him we absolutely got him and the visual for this for the fans back home <laughs> we've made a star yeah so brett walks to the ring as brett does cool as anything i remember at the time being like oh i love bulldog he's definitely gonna win and then brett walks to the ring and you're just like oh he's pretty fucking cool isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> i would say this is brett at the absolute peak of his talent popularity popularity and storylines and everything it's um fuck Hulk Hogan for not putting this guy over, and making yeah. him the next top star because he was primed. You watch this main event, and you're like, holy shit, he's ready to go. Well, if he couldn't beat Yoko, someone had to. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> Brett should have beaten Yoko. Next SummerSlam, count out Lex Luger. Fucking Jesus Christ! All <laughs> sorts of stuff happens in between now and next SummerSlam. Anyway, so Brett um gives his shade to the kid in the front row at ringside. Such a good touch, isn't it? So good. Really, really lovely. A lot of people do this sort of similar stuff now, but yeah. I remember Brett being the first guy to. They walk out with the shades every time and put them on the kid at ringside and it will be in this amazing moment. One time at primary school, some kid came in with a set of those pink glasses. Oh, fuck it. I want and, it them. <laughs> and he claimed he'd been given them by Brent. I was like, there's no chance. <laughs> I want to believe it, but there's no chance. 
So Heenan just sums this up perfectly as the two stand off from each other. He just says, here we go. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Like, <laughs> we're into the match. We get the storyline. We just feel so special. This, everyone seems to know this is going to be one of the greatest main events of all time. The anticipation for when these guys first get together and you said and the shoving starts. Oh, even watching it now, it's like, wrestling isn't like this now. Yeah, it doesn't have this heat. No. It could. I feel like it could. It just doesn't at the moment. Yeah. I feel like we're getting to the point where we're getting lots of competition and people jumping ship and stuff like this, and it could get really interesting, but let's stick to the match. <laughs> so lots of shoving and building tension to start with. Uh, when they exchange, it's fast and technical, but the transitions and getting to the moves are slow and building. It's very, very clever. It's a really good simmer all the way up, this, uh, you know, as you yeah, call the yeah. spots for this. Everything had purpose. And again, as you said, it's got Brett written all over it as it was Brett written all over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But everything just meant so much. And I remember even watching it when I was younger. Like you said with the Warrior and Savage match, it was really slow build. But this, just everything meant something. When when stuff happens, they explode. Mm. And they whip down into a headlock and we hold there and we build tension. You know, it's like everything is so clever. This is the greatest main event storytelling ever. We, we said this in the prequel pod. This is the best match ever. Yeah, it is my favorite match ever. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll quickly run through some of it. <laughs> so both guys have technical ability and they're just insanely good. Every spot is intriguing and tells the story of the match, how Bulldog's big and strong, but Brett's clever and technical, you know. Uh, Brett hits the knee and... Uh, Brett hits a knee to Davey off the ropes, like into his midsection for the first booze of the match. Yeah. And you can hear them be like, oh, they've gone to Bulldog's Corner, this crowd. And rightly so. Brett's still over. They don't yeah. hate Brett, but they just love Bulldog. Right in the old bread basket. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so about 15 minutes in, Brett is in control completely in this match now. It's been like, Davey, you're going to do what I tell you every step of the way now, right? So Davey gets a few hope spots here and there. Brett always gets control back. Chin locks, sleeper holds trying to wear down bulldog throughout the match we get some cool picture in picture of diana looking concerned at yeah. ringside and she gets more and more worried as this match goes on her selling throughout this match her storytelling just through facial expressions is excellent she's almost in tears at times like she's doing a fucking great job i wonder whether she's genuinely concerned for the well-being of her husband who's been doing coke for the last like month well exactly she's not seen him <laughs> yeah exactly maybe she hasn't who knows man like i'd love to get some of the insider information on this but and it would have to come from Brett or someone that was actually a part of this rather than some outsider source. And also, unfortunately, you know, you don't have two sides of the story because a lot of what Brett yeah. says is bullshit. Yeah, true. I believe this wholeheartedly, but the problem is with Brett Hart now, he believes his own background. That's the thing. A lot of the stuff I'm saying about Brett, you don't know whether it's true or not, yeah. but it's, he thinks he's right. Yeah, and there's That's only one side say, to it. Really. And yeah. it adds up. Yeah, that came from listening to Bischoff's podcast when he was talking about Brett. And like they quote Brett and Bishop's like, no, that's not what happened. Not even close. Maybe Brett thinks that's what happened and Brett believes that's what happened, yeah. but that did not happen. I feel like that's a lot of the storytelling coming to this. contract. <laughs> <laughs> so Davey breaks the sleeper hold. Huge press slam and delayed vertical suplex by Davey gets a close to. Bulldog hits the power slam. Yes. But Brett kicks out at two. And, and you're the like, shock oh, and oh, he didn't sell of this. I can't believe it. Look at Davy Boy. He can't believe it. He can't beat Brett Hart. He can't beat the hitman. Like, fucking hell, man. This story and the selling of it. Everyone is However, just perfect. In modern times, Smart Mark, when a commentator does this, he can't beat him. Oh, he's going over then. <laughs> well, yeah, at the time, <laughs> yeah. though. 
Um, sick reversals, huge German suplex by Brett, superplex by Davy off the tippity top oh, of the top yeah. rope. And he didn't he didn't stall. He climbed up there. Pretty much just Whipped him off Brett and off, fucking slams him. Yeah. Almost, f- I mean, when Bulldog landed on that, it looked uncomfortable for Bulldog. And it certainly looked yeah, uncomfortable yeah. for Brett because I don't think he was ready. Yeah. And, and the guy's doing superplexes off the tippity top with both of them standing up yeah. there. No one did that this time, no. I swear. Like, this is Japan and that's about it. Yeah. So to see this in WWF main event, like, I remember shitting myself as a kid being like, they're going to die. They're going to die. They're going to fall. They're going to hurt each other. But next up, we have, I think, is the greatest spot of all time. Both men hit a double clothesline on each other. Both men go down. Classic spot time. Brett wriggles his way into position, wraps up Davy Boy's legs as Davy Boy's down and out on the canvas, turns him over one side, can't get it, turns him over to the other, flips him over finally to the 180. Stands up, a sharpshooter is already applied. Him putting the sharpshooter on with both dudes laying on their back. So impressive. Ah! Everything I love about pro wrestling. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. I really hurt my throat doing that. (laughs) (coughs) We're near the end. We're near the end. You can get through this. (laughs) Bulldog eventually gets to the ropes, gets out of the position. Quick Irish whip. Brett goes for a sunset flip. Davy hooks both legs, sits down, pinning Brett for the one, two, three, and the biggest pop of all fucking time. And your new Intercontinental Champion in Wembley Stadium in London, England, the British Bulldog. Vince puts this over as immediately on commentary as one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time has just taken place. And I can't disagree with him. No, and it's the best I'd seen. It's still the best match. It still works in today's time. Can you imagine this year's Wrestlemania if someone goes for a sunset flip and someone just sits down and gets the pin to win a belt how people shit all over it but if you watch this match again such now, a good finish yeah. it works <laughs> because if someone's concertina you up and they're like 290 pounds you're not going to kick out you could put all the fucking kayfabe in it in the world There's he's a... kneeling on his arms and he's putting his legs down he can't move they've both they've done two false finishes yep Bulldog hit the power slam Brett kicks out Brett puts Bulldog in the sharpshooter. Grabs Bulldog just gets to the ropes. Suddenly have this Irish whip and this quick fucking pin. Like, it has this air of legitimacy to the whole thing. Yeah. And like, you know, Brett out, sorry, Bulldog out technicaled Brett. Brett. Yeah. You know, technically wrestled. Oh man, I fucked that sentence up. But it doesn't really blowing my spot at the end. <laughs> you get the idea. And it's just, it's told the story perfectly. Yeah. It's it technical really wrestler versus technical wrestler. Couple of spots. Just enough false finishes to make sure that everyone stays strong. And the quick finish means that Brett... is the drama of it all, you know. Brett doesn't lose the legitimacy, which he then moves on to the world title picture. And Bulldog gets the big win that should have catapulted him to be one of the top stars in the company. Exactly, man. So post-match, Brett and Davey tease tension, but finally hand shake each other's hands and hug it out. Diana into hugs all around. Pyro goes crazy. Vince put, ends the show by going, so long, everybody, from London, England, what a summer slam. And we're done. That's it. Titan Sports LLC. Yeah, really cool seeing that at the end yeah. as well. But holy shit, this match, this show, everything about it. It's what got me into pro wrestling. That main event is still my favorite match of all time. Not, not even just for the nostalgia, it is legitimately, legitimately wrestling perfection, in my opinion. Yeah, start to finish, best match there has ever been. I've ever watched in WWE. There have been more technical matches, there have been more spot fest matches, but from storytelling start to finish with the emotion, the crowd being invested, because again, as you said, the amount of matches they've been in there, the uh, the network version of this show goes two hours, 46 minutes. Yep. You've also had like four or five other dark matches, plus a lot more faffing around in between. So you've got fans at Wembley 
it's dark, it's in the summer. They must have been there for like four or five hours, plus the time getting there to still be that hot. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you think how crowds die down at WrestleMania, you get basically the first three hours of people are keen on it. Mm-hmm. To have that UK crowd. Again, as you said, it's something new, it's something good. But just to pop like that, the crowd throughout were excellent. The commentary throughout was on point. It was funny, but it also got the important stories over. Yeah. I can't say anything bad about the show other than Nails and Virgil. <laughs> and there's definitely down moments, especially with the dark matches and stuff, even though most of them are really, really fun. But that's the thing, it's dark matches. Yeah, so exactly. To me, again, I, I wouldn't have seen the dark matches. I didn't see the dark matches when I was younger, and obviously I didn't see them on the network. Yeah. I don't feel I've missed out not having the dark matches. I'd recommend the six-man tag at the beginning. I think you'd love that. And uh, I know you love a Papa Shango match, but against Tio Santana, it's like, eh. <laughs> I'd probably rather watch Tatanka versus Berserker. <laughs> I mean, this is the beginning of a little dip for the WWF almost, but this is like such a high point for me that, again, I missed like the next few years. I mean, like uh, Bulldog drops the IC belt to Shawn Michaels soon. Yep. That leads to Shawn Michaels' is whoop, with Marty Jannetty and everything else, you know. But uh, really, this is the beginning of the new era almost, you know, because yep. Hulk's on his way out. He's off to WCW. 96, 97, we start to get NWO and all that sort of bullshit. So this is like that intermediate period. That everyone's like the end of the golden age, like that new gen bit. It's, yeah. it's weird. It's an awkward time, you know, but this show is just, it's fucking brilliant. Loved it. Start to finish. Don't even need to ask what my cornflake rating is. Five. Five fucking cornflakes. Yeah, five cornflakes all the way through, just for that main event more than anything. Five yeah. cornflakes and a free gift in the box. Can you see the chat from where you are? Because I see people have been messaging us. I just want to say hello to whoever it is. Carl uh, Callum. Hello, Carl Callum. Thank you very much for saying hello. Will you talk about the Rumble? I've just joined. Been a fan since 97. Uh, we will eventually. Yeah, yeah. Guys, less wrestling, more having babies. Wrestling is for kids. Yeah, true. Definitely, yeah. Wrestling is for kids, you motherfucker. <laughs> but you're watching us, so you're a fucking cretin. But in fairness, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. Yeah. I love wrestling. And it may be for babies. I'm a very short, immature man. But whatever, I'm intrigued mate. about who wastes their time coming to like someone's live stream about wrestling to tell them they don't like wrestling. It's like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Do whatever but, um, you want. <laughs> but Callum, thank you very much for joining us. A uh, quick chat about this year's Royal Rumble this weekend. Predictions for Women's Rumble and Men's Rumble. <sighs> Difficult to say. Don't really pay attention to the product. Um, <laughs> who's in it? Who could potentially win it? Who's champ right now? Brock. Brock and... Dragon? Dragon. Um, AJ could win it then, or Strowman, the two for me. I'm, Should be against those two guys. I'm going with Rollins or Undertaker. Rollins is definitely there. Taker, if he comes back, maybe. Uh, I'm not so keen on the Undertaker's latter run. but w- Women's one, I'm going with Charlotte, and then she's going to challenge both Rousey, and I think Becky's going to get the belt, and that's how they're going to set up the three-way. They're Sounds gonna, likely, yeah. They're basically going to have shot, because they can't have a main event of WrestleMania without fucking Charlotte Flair in it. Can't well, let other people do it. <laughs> the Rumble is always my favourite WWE pay-per-view of the year, so we'll review it live. and we'll review, Not live. We'll, we will be live, but not live as the Rumble's happening, because yeah. <laughs> everyone's going to be watching that instead. But we should definitely review it. Yeah, that will be what we'll be talking about next week. Is that next week? Is it yep. this Sunday? This Sunday. Wow, that time went quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Who follows the products? Not you! Watch as you New said. Japan kids. <laughs> um, okay. I think we haven't got time for a game. It's way too late. No, no. So uh, where can we find you on the social? Okay, so you can find... Oh, why do you say that? Because <laughs> I know it annoys you so much. Uh, mine's Rich Be Thy Name. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I don't really use my Instagram very much. Just follow me on Twitter is the best way. Yourself? I'm at the Tex Williams. I said this weekend I'll be at SEPW doing commentary. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. But most importantly, follow the pod at World 
World of Rest Pod. Yep, uh, on Twitter. You can find us at World of Wrestling Podcast on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. You get a little notification when we go live. There's like some stupid bell you have to click and yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know how YouTube works, I'm sure. Um, SCPW.co.uk. Yep, for tickets for this Sunday. Uh, yep, if you're in the southeast show. of England, definitely out. Check it out. Always great. Really, really fun. Family-friendly entertainment. You'll love it. Yep, and uh, thanks for sticking us around. We'll be back next Wednesday around 5 o'clock-ish where we'll be looking at WWE 2019, their first paper of 2019. Excellent. 27 calendar years on from this SummerSlam. <laughs> Let's see if the quality is as exciting as the our final Royal star. Rumble! Always the best paper of the year. Cool. Cheers, guys. Um, I would usually just put it into the outro, but fuck it. <laughs> 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 Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>